Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 233! My name is NVZ, and uh, my name are now on the credits of a video game. It's the only way I can explain to my family wow. members that I do something uh, <laughs> that, that they can understand. <laughs> I brought my grandma upstairs, I was like, hey, look, I'm in, the, I'm in the credit, you know what a credit sequence is, right? You know, like, end of movies, people's names go by. This is the way I have to explain to her. And then she comes upstairs, she's like, oh, well, yeah, your name's in the credits. So that was, uh, that's like the, the easiest way. It's good, because credits are a really good example of something that's similar between tv films yes. and games you know like it's, yeah. it's an e- easy to understand yeah exactly so uh that was fun that was that was cool and, and uh yeah e- the easiest way i think to explain to old indian people like how uh you know what my job is and what i actually do so uh yeah that was that was pretty fun <laughs> they have no idea what you do but they do know you're in the credits so yes that's, exactly that's, something. That that's important something. that's yes. important um and yeah so the, the first game that uh, i've worked on fully uh, the case of the golden idol is out it's out on steam and people can go buy it so uh getting some great reviews yeah, really good reviews. PC Gamer gave it an 89, which is extremely, extremely cool. Um, and um, and yeah, we are also overwhelmingly positive on Steam, which basically means like you have to have 95% of your reviews be positive. Uh, and we currently have two negative reviews out of 500, which is pretty staggering. Like that almost never happens. So I think people like the game a lot, which is very fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate it if people went and checked it out. It's on Steam at the moment. Um, who knows what happens in the future uh, if it comes to consoles or whatever. But How, lo- how long is the game? Uh, it's, it's really hard to say because... The way I, I played it, like, during development, and so I was playing each scenario as it was being made, so they were kind of, like, not fully formed yet, so I took, like, an hour on each one, and there's, like, 12 cases, so I probably took, like, okay. 10 to 11 hours um, playing through it, like, during development, basically, but there are people on Steam who are like, hmm, this thing's quite short, but anyway, I really liked it, and their playtime is, like, three hours. I'm like, how the... You must be a genius. Like, there's a lot of people doing it uh, that quickly, but I think most people, between five and six hours, I would say, and some people who take longer, who, who find a bit trickier 10 hours probably is is around the where people are at so um yeah i'd, I'd highly recommend it. if you like return of the Oberdin, uh this is like one of the first games to really do something similar to that um and i would say it's more approachable i personally like it more than return of the Oberdin. um but again you can't take my word because i'm biased because i help work on the game but uh anyway uh that's that's my thoughts on it and uh, it's out there so if, if you want to check it out it's on steam the case of golden idol i uh, would appreciate people uh, taking a look um so yeah that's that's exciting and then we're launching another game in a couple of weeks time so i'm sure i'll talk about that when that happens uh very busy at the moment uh bali how are you doing how's it going i haven't even introduced you i'm joined as always of course by bali hi bali i'm here yes i i um i did tell you i i was clearing out my my childhood bedroom yeah. which still had or has has now had a lot of my video games and i lined up four game boys next to each other that i sent you a picture uh-huh, of. So yeah. i have four generations of game boys but that's now four game boys and three consoles it was my wii gamecube and then 64 all mm-hmm. uh, they were covered in dust and all sorts of crap so now they're all wiped down they're in a box and they, they've now got a lid on them and that those boxes of both my consoles mm-hmm. and video games have you got and all the cables in there as well and, and bags got, and stuff and got labeled? The cables yeah nice. they're, they're all wiped down clean in a sealed box and they're going to storage until me and caroline eventually move out of this flat yes have <laughs> Which, enough space to actually exactly. put all your video game consoles out again exactly um, so yeah. it's it's a very good feeling that that's all 
sorted um, that's good and I, I messaged you and you you advised me i should keep my crt until i have a solution yeah. as to how to play sort of n64 and gamecube games so i'm keeping a hold of that yeah i really um i missed the our crt when we got rid of it. the last game i think i talked about it on the show but the last game i played before that crt got thrown away or sent somewhere prince was of uh, prince of persia on yeah. gamecube yeah and that was a really good experience like playing it properly on a crt and that was you know we had a pretty chunky massive crt um so it was it was a good one and i know, you know yours is more like a smaller kind of square one mm. it's your it's your bedroom one that we used to play pokemon stadium exactly. and stuff on you know yeah, um, a classic amazing. crt so uh yeah i would say like keep that for for as long as you can before because there's i know there's solutions out there you know if you go and look uh, or listen to people like jeff gersman or people who do, who tinker with like retro stuff all the time and you know they have you know all these weird things that they talk about that i never understand what they're actually talking about but i'm sure if you pay attention then uh yeah you'll you'll figure out what cable you need and what kind of converters you need and stuff like that so um yeah exactly yeah one day just, just want that ability to just yeah let's grab an n64 game play yeah. the original pokemon snap pokemon stadium yeah whatever. it's give it a go it's yeah fun yeah exactly uh and it's you know those games were built for those tvs to look that certain way right so um yeah yeah they run really well generally like like i think we took frame rates for granted back then as well mm-hmm. a lot of things ran at 60 like wasn't it prince of persia at 60 i think so yeah yeah certain games definitely were uh and i think like we didn't have the language to understand that back then so no. we were just like this looks good or this looks bad and when all our games transferred to 30 we didn't even bat an eyelid yeah, yeah exactly then... yeah now we do uh, now we do all, all too much um but anyway we're here to talk about the video games what we've been playing and other things such as nintendo and that company who does make the video games Bally, would you like to tell everybody what our show today is going to be slightly sh- shorter show well i should say will be long but it's two segments so the, for the first segment we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing and there are a lot of them and then for the second segment we're going to do a few of your emails absolutely um and yeah we're uh kind of in the season now of new game releases for nintendo mm. especially so next couple of shows i'm sure are going to be uh spicy with some some fun stuff so uh let's kick things off bally with a brand new release uh that has come out this week and we have both had uh, an opportunity to put some time into it um surprisingly you more so than me uh you're a good seven-ish hours into mario plus rabbits sparks mm. of hope uh with the merge of rabbit and luma uh which are in fact the sparks of the sparks of hope uh so uh bally how are you feeling so far about this uh, follow-up to this game that you actually played the first one this year right yeah i played it it must have been like february-ish time maybe january i can't remember but yeah i really enjoyed the first game um and i'm enjoying this game even more mm. like honestly i think there's it looks stronger i think the worlds are stronger i think the characters are stronger i think there's so many like small mechanical things that we can get into that are yeah. just improved dramatically and it all comes together into like one of the best strategy games honestly i've ever played so far wow, and i'm only right. seven hours in but this thing is really really good and is honestly a joy to play that's part of the reason i've already played about seven hours is it's just it's really fun and i i'm so happy with how this game's turned out like even stuff like this feels like a lot more Mario style enemies in the game and stuff like that. There's just a lot more character. As much as characters the first game had, this game just feels even stronger in all those aspects. Yeah, and it's one of the things that's throwing me off about it that's a little weird is that they now have voice acting. So your little Roomba guy, Beepo. <laughs> like some voice. Oh, there's a lot for the Roomba guy, but the, yeah. everyone else, it's like little bits here and there that are really like, wow, 
was that a rabbit just <laughs> speaking to me? I th- yeah, like Rabbit Luigi is like, hey, you see, it's me, Rabbit Luigi. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm hanging out. You know, and oh my god, Rabbit Peach is like a valley girl, and like, <laughs> holy shit, like when she speaks, I lose my goddamn mind. Like Jesus Christ. But you're right. Like they they almost chime in with like one or two lines yeah. at the start of the sentence, and then you have to read the rest, which leads to this really weird thing where Beepo is fully voice acted, and mm-hmm. it's, Beepo to me has big C3PO energy, like that is yeah. what that character feels like it's like feels they like they didn't really have a voice in the first game and now they do a lot of talking yeah totally and they feel like you know the the panicky mum of the group almost where they're like you know as i said very c3po style like uh vibe that, that comes off of that character and you still kind of control it's this weird thing where you're still kind of controlling the roomba but now the roomba is like floating above so it almost looks like you're controlling the character at the front but you're not quite it, it's been one of those things about the series that i've always found a little bit weird and sometimes makes it tricky when you're collecting coins and things like that because my focus is usually on whoever's at the front of my party from a character perspective um but it's actually kind of the Roomba that's, that's leading you with the voice acting um there is a line in particular from rabid peach i think it's when she uses her like heal everyone move mm-hmm. um and she she says like time to stream <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like wow okay this yeah. is this is a take uh-huh it really is i i actually oh man i kind of love i think rabbit peach has my favorite voice acting uh so far i yeah. think that it's it's real stupid but like it's also really weird that like we're associating these real almost human voices with rabbits now like i had assumed the rabbits were more akin to minion and they just kind of grunted and didn't actually say real words but now they're just talking english and i wonder if that's like oh they've been in the mushroom kingdom long enough so now they actually know how to talk but mario still doesn't talk so i don't know what's up with that the thing i'm learning about this world they're in is that they 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 don't have many rules about like no (laughs) how it all links together and having said that i do love the kind of space theme because yes it, it feels weird in 2022 that we're like referencing mario galaxy that came out right. in like what 2005 and it's like yeah oh seven i think oh yeah. seven i mean those, those vibes are really good for what this game's going for and kind of hopping from planet to planet and it gives them a really nice excuse to just do one crazy world into another mm-hmm. crazy world it's a bit more thematic than randomly do it doing it within the mushroom kingdom perhaps yeah and i think the thing that i've really liked about the exploration so far is the first game felt like a corridor you were almost like shuffle Mm. down this route and you would do puzzles along the way but it felt i would say the best way to describe this versus the, the first game is the first game feels rigid where this feels like free and bouncy almost like there's a there's a kind of freedom to the movement there's an openness to the space there's a flexibility in the combat like everything just feels a bit more like approachable and like easy to jump into there's random enemy encounters <laughs> yeah and but just snappy right even yes. the regular fights feel so much faster to get through and just like less laborious and, and it's quicker to like switch between characters and the flexibility you yeah. have on the fly um but yeah in, in terms of the world exploration itself like because that first game it almost felt exhausting of like okay all right, I'm now blocked by a fight. I have to engage with this fight in order to continue, right? I, I did a three-stage boss last night. Oh, wow. Was at the end of the second world, it took me like 20 minutes. Like, it just Damn. felt fast. Yeah. And like, this map felt large, but it still just kind of whizzed by. Yeah. Uh, maybe my strategy is just too good. But yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It just felt. It just felt like there were some maps in the first game that I was like, oh, God, here we go. And it was like really bullet spongy bosses that just took ages and oh god they've stomped me and i need to restart and mm-hmm. i don't know this not that this game's easier because i do think it's ramped up 
massively by the end of the second world okay uh, but it's 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 just paced in a really nice way yeah and and that's the thing like having your own control over the pacing of the game for me has really made it stand out because i i tend to like with these sorts of games deciding like okay i want to explore for a bit and i want to go around and do the environmental puzzles and i kind of want to like almost in my head map out the whole space of the world before i start engaging with you know what's the next fight i'm gonna do right i want to almost go around and say like oh there's a side fight there i'm not gonna do it right now but i know it's there now it's on my map and i can just keep going around the world like doing the mini puzzles and then when i feel like it i'm like okay now i'm ready to do a fight now i can go in and do one right and and i'm almost like having my own uh kind of my own pace of the game which i think is is the benefit of this mm-hmm. versus the way the first one was structured um and you know i i don't think the puzzles so far have been like mind-blowing or anything crazy but they're all very kind of easy to engage with and and fun and and, and one of them was um there's like a cannon at the beach in the, in the first world and it's kind of covered by this goo and you need to find an orb to put inside of it and i was like trying to look around to find it and it wasn't kind of obvious where it was and um i was just shaking the trees randomly and then randomly it just fell out the tree and i was like oh okay the game is rewarding you for really kind of picking at the environment and really engaging with all the different elements all the aspects that you can um within the space which is cool and then it kind of like shoots you over to another island uh, which lets you get one of those explody eggs it it does a similar splatoon thing where there's like goop all over the world and you kind of have to get rid of the goop by using different elements um to kind of like splash it away almost um and so yeah you take the egg back and you throw it this big eyeball and then it kind of disappears and you can you can access a hidden route and find a treasure chest and all that sort of stuff um and to be honest like similar to the first game the collectibles so far haven't been that interesting to me like their memos like voice acted memos and there's also like um you know other random trinkets that you find that i think some of them might be helpful for leveling up characters and stuff but yeah it's more for me like the the fun of just exploring the world and just mapping it out and just kind of solving the the small puzzles that have been and i'm sure those kind of ramp up and get more interesting uh, as things get further on already in the the second ice world you get a power for for beepo like a sound wave that you can blast and that seems to ha- interact with certain elements like certain rocks explode when you use it so it feels like they're adding not metroidvania abilities but like you're getting like additional traversal stuff or additional like overworld stuff that you can use that makes that side of the game mm. more interesting and engaging generally um, can i get into some of the mechanical improvements yeah let's go for the combat stuff because i think this is kind of the meat of a strategy game yes. like this and i think they've really done a big number in terms of changes here so yeah go ahead so maybe my favorite improvement and maybe it's a small one but like one frustration i had with the first game was I always was nervous about changing up my party for the simple reason that you had to keep spending coins to get the best weapon for the character that right. you used. Yes. So if I wanted to suddenly switch from Mario to, say, Yoshi, I'd be like, oh, well, I've not got enough coins to spend on the hottest Yoshi gun. Therefore, I'll just stick to Mario. And yeah. this game just completely removes that from from the game. Like, the, the, there aren't weapons that you buy. There are weapon skins that don't do jack shit yeah Um, but there are there aren't like weapons that you have to constantly keep upgrading through coin and the the kind of economics of the game like you just you just can you can freely switch character and i believe you had to buy your special sometimes as well right like right uh, improving those also so there's like a double uh thing for yeah for the first game and and the the likelihood you're going to change character in this game is reinforced by the fact that the skill trees are so flexible that you can pump all your skill points into one aspect of a skill tree and then just before the next match 
you can move it all from their special to say improving like their movement or something mm-hmm. and you can do that back and forth again every single match and like the first game um everyone levels up equally like yep. so if you've not used a character in a while they'll suddenly have a bunch of skill points you can invest in their skill tree and the menus there's a lot to take in menu wise but i do think it's pretty well laid out where you can adjust your skill trees you can adjust your characters and then you've got your lumas where you're putting all the the st- you can invest star bits into your lumas to upgrade them and then uh, sparks excuse sparks, me sparks uh, exactly <laughs> why are they not called rabid lumas i mean they they make that reference at the beginning Beepo's like i think they should be called rabid lumas and right. then rabid luigi is like sparks spark and so you know <laughs> uh, and then Beepo's like okay yeah go ahead and then we'll call them sparks all of that stuff is quite easy to to manipulate yeah i would say my um one issue with the leveling up is how you have to kind of go into a character then into their skill tree then press a then press b to get back then there's no easy way to flip between characters when you're in the skill tree menu you could easily miss their skill tree if you're new to the game and didn't really know that the skill trees were there i don't think the game does a good job of saying make sure you invest in your skill tree because it is actually really important um, yeah it's just a, for me it's just a bit of a slow process every because t- you especially the beginning of the game you're getting skill points quite quickly and so every yes. after every fight you're like okay go in slowly do every character individually it's nice that they have an auto option so i have done the auto option for some of the characters i haven't been using as much just for the moment and then obviously i can go back in and tweak it to my own desire later on but i will say at the beginning it just felt not overwhelming but it was just it was just a bit too slow of a process when i just kind of wanted to get back into the fights and stuff like that it's made slower by the fact that as much as this game is getting all the juice out of the switch in terms of visuals and it Mm -hmm. runs really well and that looks amazing there are still those like loading times to get to like menus and swapping between different menus and you do really feel it the amount that you are going into these skill trees and adjusting your sparks and um these sorts of things it does it does make you be like oh if only if i see this loading screen one more time like at, at points like you get used to it yeah but. i i haven't i haven't been too bothered by it i don't know maybe because i don't play on the next gen consoles that much <laughs> uh i again my pc loads things very fast but i don't know maybe because i yeah it's not had a, a huge issue on me but i can totally see for a lot of people who have kind of got used to no load times anymore on consoles especially mm. that it's um yeah probably is a little bit annoying but um, I, I also think the removal of the grid system is quite nice mm-hmm. i think the ability to freely run around sort of within your circle and it's much much easier to link up the movement areas of uh characters in order yes. to like use jumps to get to the next area and the fact that you now jump and then glide into a space is i quite like it because it kind of yeah. i actually one of my characters glided into the wrong space and i was like oh damn like that i should have glided over there and i've gone over here and it mm-hmm. kind of wrecked me a little bit and it kind of it's nice that there's that a small amount of skill required just to make sure you go into the right right area and yeah um I, I like it i think it's a good a good change yeah it adds a lot more of a tactical layer in terms of it's it just less frustrating and it, it i think because the thing that you know is like okay as soon as i shoot my weapon then i can't move anymore but before then i can do all these other things i can use my special i can use my spark ability right like you have action points or you can dash right as well or use team jump so having all these abilities per turn and you're like okay how can i get the most out of this turn before being able to do you know this this 
the thing where i kind of lock myself in with it with an attack um you can be like okay well i need to get that character over there let me bring my other character closer towards them right to the edge of their circle so that they can initiate a team jump so i can get that character over there and then the other character can still move afterwards um and obviously after you've team jumped you have kind of a small circle you can move within so you really do have to be careful as you said of like where you're going to land but um that flexibility for me has been really really helpful uh, and i think it's it just it picks up on one of those frustrations with tactics games of like oh i made a mistake here and i I can't press the back button and there's no undo here either but i think because the flexibility it provides you you're gonna fall into those situations where you mess up far less so Mm. because of it right um, which is I good. think I think mechanically the game is also stronger in terms of I think they just really made sure that stuff like lines of sight and stuff all feel a lot more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few areas in the first game where you could literally like clip through blocks and other enemies sometimes, and it would and your bullet would then go on to the, your desired location. Whereas this game makes it very clear: nope, your bullet's going to hit this exact wall, and therefore right. you can't attack um and they kind of get around it a little bit because with one of luigi's specials this is like overwatch ability and there's an upgrade on that overwatch ability that allows you to like shoot it's called like ghost bullets i can't remember okay and it allows you to like shoot through things basically So, so they're making a point of yes we are we have improved the lines of sight but if you want to still uh be jammy you can use, uh, use this ability so i've definitely got that one on luigi and that sounds really good because luigi is super good luigi remains my favorite character in this series because i loved him in the first game and he's made what i love about him in this game is first they've given him a bow instead of a gun which is uh-huh. just great yeah but what's cool about the bow now is that because luigi's a good good at sniping they've they reward you for for being good at sniping by making his arrows do more damage the further away you are from an enemy yes so if you're up close it'll do less damage so it's encouraging you to actually use luigi as a sniper uh which i love um and i must admit which also like adds in tactical ability because then you're like well i have one less character to use a jump with if your other character is like further up ahead in the field then you have to make that decision of like well i'm going to keep luigi back i have less options here for movement but he will do a lot more damage so i think it trades off really nicely in that way totally and i will admit i'm still i mean so far especially in the second world because there's a lot of sniping enemies i've i'm using my team from the first game which is mario luigi and rabid peach um they're pretty solid yeah they're really solid it's a little bit of a shame that rabid peach is the only character so far and i've unlocked two characters who has any healing abilities yeah they've completely taken away so peach used to have this ability where she'd jump in and then she'd have an area of effect heal whenever she jumped in on an area um and she now doesn't have any healing abilities she just literally blocks attacks so instead of having a healer you can just have a character who literally blocks attacks um i personally like the healing character because i just like especially for the longer matches it just gives i feel it gives you a bit more flexibility so Mm -hmm. i think rabid peach is going to be a bit of a mainstay in my team Um, yeah i've been switching it around i think like rabid peach for me is like if i don't want to spend coins on healing then i'll get into a quick match and just use her at the start to heal and coins are a dime a dozen already where i am in the game so okay i was doing that originally as well because i was like i don't want to spend coins on healing yeah yeah um and it you I've got enough coins where I could just heal in between every match. Oh, wow. Now. Okay. So I, I, that's a good reason to switch out Rabbit Peach because I just got a character who I don't want to spoil who is oh. like, wow, you have two abilities that I 
don't think I can now do without. Because oh I'm wow, like, okay. <laughs> this is this is the shit. Like this is awesome. so good. Yeah, um, totally. So I might have to use that character. Uh, I can never drop Luigi, and I might have to drop Luigi at some point. But like I said, the second world has a lot of snipers attacking you, so it's good to retaliate with your own sniper. Um, yeah. Uh, I've generally been switching characters around quite a lot, you know? Like, Rabin Mario is actually pretty fucking brutal. You yes. know, he can... He has, like, a circular range of his uh, kind of fist gloves that he has, but they don't have to be up-close melee. Like, you, you can still hit them within a range. And he can hit characters who are higher... Um, of uh verticality than him right like if a character is up on a ledge and he's like down below he can do that and he still does damage to them even if they're behind a block i was like holy shit this is crazy um obviously yeah. his range is like shorter than other characters yeah. but he has like a lot of reach when it comes to that sort of stuff which is cool it really just depends on the enemies in the level um, yeah because it was like i i do want to make a, a an effort to like um mix it up more and i do love mario and luigi's overwatch abilities they are so good and i've just upgraded mario's where he can do like multiple in one thing and he's oh, now got wow. like the double guns that, that are so good as well yeah the double guns is a nice change because you can like ping off it, it was i think frustrating in the first game where you had to waste a shot on like a weak enemy yeah, but with mario you can yeah, almost really get rid nice. of one of those weak enemies but still do damage to another enemy yeah. who has more hp but, but you're like you're right like uh rabid mario has some fantastic moves i think beach has some really cool moves just like literally blocking attacks and then yes. her like she has a, has a gumbrella which is very fun and uh-huh, can, yeah. like it does more damage the further no the closer they are i think closer damage. right it's more yeah, like a shotgun closer. yeah and that's an, again kind of like she's got this arc this cone that she can mm-hmm. um has the range on that one um yeah so yeah it, it, it's cool rabid luigi has been kind of like interesting he's got the boomerang which can go through multiple targets and it's a little weaker but it's good for like chip damage almost so yeah i've used him a bit but like maybe the least of all the characters so far so hopefully he gets some good upgrades and there's no characters that can do like multiple slides the only thing you can do is line up two enemies like if they're already in a line and you can slide through both of them but you can't like because i think that was like rabid luigi's is special in the not special but one of his moves in the first game was he could just like slide 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 attack like four or five characters within this close vicinity and then start shooting well um, bally uh I, I think you've not gone into the skill tree uh for <laughs> a certain character um because i think i can say edge edge is a character who's been shown in the marketing anyway um edge does get multiple dashes i have multiple dashes with uh, edge. Okay. um so yes you can if you go into their specific um unique talent right in the tree then sometimes you have those abilities but it's just him i think her i think i think her. edge is, is a girl but yeah um so she she does get uh multiple dashes as an option in the skill tree and i don't know if anyone else will get that or if that'll just be exclusive to her character um but uh but yeah she does she does have the multiple dashes which has been really helpful and i was gonna say like so far for me i felt like the game's pretty easy like generally like much easier than the first game from what i've played so far and i think part of it is the kind of smaller levels but like even the first boss was like the or the, the end of the first um kind of world is like a bunch of eyeballs around this volcano and you're like kind of just taking out enemies slowly as you go past and i never had an issue with it it was like very very easy mm-hmm. no no problem whatsoever um so and I, as you've said it seems like it ramps up later but um there are certain uh fights certain optional fights because i i spent a bit more time in the first world before moving on and, and doing some of the extra stuff and there is some stuff in there that does get real tricky so there's one i don't know if you've come across the pot-headed goombas i yet. did that's the only time i've had a game over, like a, a oh really a wipeout was the goombas yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's tricky so uh there was a, a, a 
match that was level 10 i had level 9 characters i went into it and you are surrounded by these pot-headed goombas and basically the deal with them is they can't die the only way to kill them is to dash into them so they fall on their head and then you pick them up and you literally throw them off the stage you throw them out of bounds um and so it was this level where there's like 20 of these dudes plus four rabbits and i'm like oh shit here we go and it was really fun to like tactically think around like okay well edge has two dashes uh, which is probably the thing that would have helped you in that uh, that level if you'd had edge That's available because um, then you can dash through multiple goomba rows twice so then you can pick up like six goombas after one turn and just throw them all off the edge and it's just um it's a case of managing your resources and like your health and everything because those goombas if they run into it they have a really long range where they can move and if they hit your character they do like half your health like 300 damage per hit which is really really brutal so it was just a case of like okay they're all coming from that side i'm going to move all my characters up to the top on this side then the spawners uh, came where i was i was like oh shit i need to move back away from those because the spawners are getting more goombas and they did them from the other side and it was this you have to survive for six turns basically yeah um and it's definitely the hardest map that i've done so far but it was also the most satisfying uh, when it came down to the challenge of it so uh, i really appreciate that that stuff is in there and if you do want the harder difficulty you can bump up the difficulty of course which i might end up doing it depends how hard things get um but uh, it- yeah. I'd be surprised if you do bump up because I'd say by the end of World 2 and I've not had any game overs with World 2 I just had that one yeah. with the Goombas but like more so than the first game it feels like the strategy at least in World near the end of World 2 it's like right we're going to use items that get your get your characters out of cover and then we're just going to kick the shit into them and, it, okay. and what I mean by that is like you can go from like full health to dead in a turn because the first character used a move that gets your character out of cover and then they're exposed and then everyone just swarms on you basically damn okay so it's one of those things where it's like oh my characters are full health i'm feeling really confident about Uh this next turn and then actually a lot of the enemies can hit incredibly hard and even if you've got a thousand hp you can be wiped out in a turn because they they hit hard like everyone feels a bit more glass cannony i'd argue than the first game it's not like it doesn't feel like your characters can take a ton of hits as high as their HP might seem. Mm. Um, so I, I imagine that this third world will be pretty tricky, but okay. um, it's it's good fun. It's I, I it is on the easy side so far, but it's gotten a little trickier and. I'm going to try and crutch less on Mario and Luigi and Rabbit yeah. Peach because they're just so awesome. But um, I'm in really, I think there'll be a much slower, bulkier, harder hitting enemies that I'll probably need like uh rabid mario 4 just to get that bit of extra oomph because yeah, yeah I, that's the one downside of mario and luigi's they're really good i don't think that i think there's characters in the game that hit a lot harder than they do yeah definitely like they have flexibility and range but like there's there's trade-offs when it comes to that right in terms of damage done totally and i think the game is really well balanced in that sense like, i don't think any one character is necessarily better than another yeah. character like they all have their 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 unique uh, times to be used a bit yeah. like um overwatch or something yeah. yeah totally and yeah it's just it's so nice to just be able to switch them whenever and then the other nice thing is that the game sometimes uh, i don't know if you ran into this fight as well there was a fight where it forced me to use yes. i think peach and mario um, rabid mario yeah in, in a which match. is really nice um, just to force you to try out these characters because yes. it makes you go oh actually this move is really cool i guess i'll try this character out in my next regular match exactly and it also like it allows them to design around those specific characters right so like they can create situations and enemies that are either tricky or like easy for those characters to deal with so that you almost use it like a learning tool to be like oh i see how i should use 
peach and rabid mario in these specific situations because of this ability and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. um, i think it's, it's really really cool and um yeah we haven't talked much about the sparks themselves and their uh, abilities but they're basically just like they're almost like an item that you assign to characters and you can switch between them you can level them up but they give you different um kind of perks different bonuses in fights so the fire one will will turn your attacks to fire um and you know there are certain enemies that are weak or resistant to these types of things so mm-hmm. at the start of a match you can kind of zoom around with Beepo and take a look and see like what is this enemy weak to what are they resistant to um and then you might want to change out your sparks depending on that fight so like i've just come across these big guys with the thwomps on their back who are similar to the big stone slab dudes from the first game and um and they are weak to the ooze ability so i gave peach the ooze luma uh sorry spark um and um and uh, that basically bursts out a bunch of poison damage in a, a spread area and so i just got like in the middle of a bunch of those dudes and just pop that ability and that's not even an atta- a regular attack so that's just a bonus bit of damage that i'm able to do that turn mm. and then use her kind of main attack to finish them off so um yeah i think that's uh, been helpful so far and i'm sure that will become more important as things get harder yeah. is like using those spark abilities in order to get past you know certain weaknesses to to make enemies easier to kill and stuff and like they that, do so. something else with the spark abilities i'm not sure if you're aware of no but, um, i don't know yeah i won't yeah. spoil that um which is cool and i, I think Great. that it's really clearly like telegraphed to you as the player like yeah you've got two actions and using a spark ability uses one action so it's like i think all that stuff on just being clear about how the systems work is just a real step up from the first game as simple as the first game was i think this game Mm -hmm. is a lot more stuff in this i think the sparks had a lot of layers honestly um but it it works well i think they've done a really good job of just making it clear to the player what you can and can't do yeah and i think we've mentioned it briefly but this game looks really good like they've done such a great job visually of making it stand out and kind of you know a a game that's in 2022 on the switch you know we're kind of getting to this point where we're like oh can we have a new console now like things are getting a little long in the tooth but you know even at 30 fps game it runs really smoothly it just looks really sharp and nice all the cutscenes are gorgeous like everything feels very very kind of like easy to interact with and 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 nice especially in in combat uh, and and the overworld as well it's all it all just feels of a piece and well put together and um yeah the music's been great as well like i think presentationally this game is really elevating that first game as i said like the first game you know going back to it this year because i played the donkey kong dlc at the start of this year as well like uh, close to when you were playing the first game and there were things about it that i'm like yeah this is a 2017 switch game right you can tell like there are certain like little things that make it feel a little bit um like it's in a box almost and this feels like it's kind of like broken free of those chains and um and is freer and kind of like bouncier and, and richer for it i think which is which is really good so um yeah i'm looking forward to playing uh, a bunch more of this and um i don't think it's super long i think it's like 20 hours probably um okay i think my i'm at the start of the third world and i think i'm like 37 eight percent in okay so yeah. i imagine yeah 20 hours 21 hours yeah that makes sense um and again it depends on how hard it gets uh, towards the end and if they right. increase the size of the worlds and stuff like that but and you know what there's a lot of items there's a lot of different characters there's a lot of ways you can retool your skill trees mm-hmm. uh, you can turn down the difficulty i like if the game throws a ridiculously hard final boss at the end i'm not worried about using those array of different things to just yes. get through it you know because i think that that's one of these things with 
this type of game is you just don't you want difficult you want a challenge but you don't want it to just completely stomp you to the point where you put the game down without beating it and yeah exactly it, they give you so many different options to to make all those things easier if, if you want them yeah exactly yeah nice nice accessibility stuff there which is which is great and um yeah uh i'm i'm looking forward to digging deeper into sparks of hope uh soon <laughs> to play more and to get deeper into it so awesome uh bali we have finally we're getting close to the end of the year here and uh, we have made good on our promise uh for oh, our game trade games yeah game trade which if you don't know game trade is a thing that we do annually where bali and i give each other a game that we haven't played uh and we say you have to finish this this year <laughs> there is no excuses you must do it uh it's it's got to be done and um it's a good way to like for us to be like because there's always games that i'm like oh Bali, you should play this and you're like yeah i'll get to it and you know then it's like three years later and you yeah three years later you play dead cells yeah and it never happens so last couple of years i've played ace attorney and oh i can't remember what was the other one and i made you play okami and uh Uh, uh, not uh what's it called uh rhythm heaven rhythm heaven yes yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, Um, what's the other one i played ace attorney and something i can't remember (laughs) yeah ding hello editing nbz here to uh let you all know that the game that i gave valley that everyone forgot about but shouldn't because it's the greatest game of all time code name steam so good it's incredible uh, if you've not played it get on your 3ds before the eShop goes and buy it because it's the best game ever made um anyway that was it code name steam back to the show bing yeah, I, I have anyway. no idea, but yeah, um, yeah, we've done it a few uh, years in a row now, and uh, usually we've uh, we've got those kind of finished early in the year. But um, obviously, uh, but I had a child this year, so that made that <laughs> harder. Uh, and yeah, I was also I was just playing a bunch of other stuff, and I was like, oh, I'll get to mine eventually. But finally, we're here. We right. and you know we we lined it up for the same episode. Look at that yeah. beautiful timing. Um, so Bali, I tasked you with playing bayonetta 2 because i was like you know bayonetta 3 is coming out this year probably uh, you should probably play that beforehand and you have chosen the last minute possible to play bayonetta 2 uh, <laughs> right before 3 comes out obviously we'll talk about 3 next episode because i'll be i'll be playing that for sure but bally i'm interested will you be playing bayonetta 3 after playing bayonetta 2 i'd love to know your thoughts on this game uh so i tried the bayonetta 2 demo like before the game came out way back in 2014 yeah yeah point. yeah so and i really bounced off that demo and that demo was actually something that made you really want to try uh-huh, this yeah. game having not been that interested before at all totally um i'm not going to be buying bayonetta 3 okay. Um, okay i i found this game i found the characters the story the locations like the writing the like all of that was basically dead to me Uh it sounds really harsh but like look that's i have the same opinion and i fucking love this game right that's interesting that's interesting because from for me like mechanically it's good fun like it is it's it feet the fight the combat does feel good It, it at times i was like okay i'm just doing the same thing again and again and again mm-hmm. and the, like it's what it's a very one note game in some ways where it's all about spectacle and fighting and that's it like there's not that kind of extra okay and now we're gonna there's not it doesn't feel like there's enough changes of pace and this mm. these kinds of things and if i'm not into the characters the setting or the story at all like i do personally find that 
I can't I can't think of another game where the mechanics have completely pulled up a game for me in my head. I don't know if you can think of examples. Yeah, you're you definitely like lean more in that direction than I do. Like I'm totally fine to have right. something that is purely like if I like this and how it plays, I'm totally fine to just do that and yeah. ignore the rest of it. And I, I was thinking maybe something like Ollie Ollie World, but then again, yeah. I like that game a lot more than the other Ollie Ollies because they like changed the structure and the world huh. and the design. And yeah. obviously, there's no like story as such, but sure. I like the way that that game. And that's a weird comparison, but I just couldn't get into this game in that sense. And yes, the fighting felt good, and I did have fun with the fighting. Um, I, I started the game on normal and not sorry on easy, and. I played the first couple of levels and I was like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, not only am I doing well, like, I'm not actually taking any damage whatsoever. Right, yeah, like this yeah. is silly. So I upped it to normal and then I did like two, three, four more chapters on normal and it felt good. Like I think I was worried about like, oh, so when you die, it says like continue. I'm like, right, I need to Google other like a limited number of continues because i do not want to replay these levels Mm -hmm. and turns out you can have an infinite number of continues you just get a lower and lower score and i didn't really care about the score because i'm I'm just here to play the game um so i was happy on normal uh for a while and the game is well checkpointed where even on longer boss fights if you die you will you will restart at that point in the boss fight not necessarily the start of the boss fight so i think the checkpointing is good and there's no live system right i believe there's there no right? live system no it's just yeah. like continues and then the more continues you do the lower your score i think even right if which... you have one continue you get like a, what's called like a stone medal or a stone oh right yeah, you like just do really bad you don't get pure platinum platinum, platinum yeah. gold silver bronze and then stone um mm-hmm. so stone means you're not your shit great. <laughs> you're basically um so i was playing on normal for a while but then i had the fear that because you can't change the difficulty mid level you Mm -hmm. you would have to restart the level on a different difficulty and these levels aren't too long to be honest i think most of them are like 15 minutes longer ones are 20 25 minutes no that's a good length yeah i got worried i got nervous that um oh god i'm gonna get to some boss and i'm pretty confident this would have been the case i'm gonna get to some boss where i literally can't get through this phase and i will have to restart the whole level and i wasn't very keen on that so eventually i switched back to easy and that was i just think that you don't get any it feels like there are almost no health pickups on normal and i huh. felt like generally i just wanted a sliding scale for difficulty or just a difficulty that's between easy and normal because i feel like the step up is so stark and yeah. it feels like you're getting health pickups all over the place on easy let alone the fact that you're barely dropping health even on the harder bosses right so it felt like ugh, i just wanted a little more of a helping hand on normal and i probably would have played it on normal um having said that it's a very tough tough game later on for sure yeah it's really hard i think with games like this where they just don't find the right balance like easy is too easy normal is too hard and there's there's there needs to be like a 0.5 in the middle of them that's like here is it's just right you know it's like this is the temperature of porridge i want yeah and i think i think normal in its defense said at the start if you've played character action games before this is your difficulty and i've not really played them before no yeah so i thought well i'm already taking a gamble going with this difficulty so by the game's definition i should have been an easy player anyway so yeah i will defend the game in that sense for sure um and yeah like it, it is good like dod- the dodging and the witch time and then the countering i must Man. admit that 
I didn't really learn combos in the traditional sense. I mm-hmm. definitely just did a lot of... It was all about the dodge. It was all about dodging at the yes. right time. Which time then, is like the thing you should lean into in that game, right? right? Like it's about getting the perfect dodge. Because then it builds up your Umbran witch meter yes. or whatever. And you do your um, mad crazy shit. You do, where the mad you do shit. your like, um, cute, uh, quick time events and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And so it was all about the dodge and building up that meter for me. And actually the moves themselves, I was basically button mashing uh-huh. um, between <laughs> yeah. punches and kicks and all sorts. And, and that's fine. Like that's kind of how it, 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 it that's how the game flows. Yes, you yeah. can learn it, but you can also play it at a level where it's all about the dodge and just getting those hits, and which is how I was playing it. And but I guess it sounds like for you the the, the kind of stuff around that, which is like visually and musically and spectacle, didn't bring it up enough to kind of like make that satisfying. The spectacle is there. I will defend that. Like there is spectacle. There is a nice crescendo in music, and the music and the 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 look and the feel it all comes together in a cool way. But yeah. it, it, it's nothing like enough to bring this game up in my kind of uh yeah. estimations and i think that's totally a taste thing right because when i got to those moments when it was just like everything's popping off and shit's going wild there's kaiju's fighting the background i'm just like cackling i'm just like this is fucking great like i don't care about the story i don't care about these characters at all but i'm punching the shit out of this demon in the sky and things are just exploding and it looks amazing i'm just like going well, off that's because you like anime <laughs> look bali look anime is uh in the eye of the beholder all right uh so yeah. If if I played, I don't think this genre is dead to me. I will say that I had enough of a good time where it's like, right, this. I, if this was a world and characters and story I cared about, maybe like the God of War one, two, three. I don't even know. But yeah, maybe another character action game. I think I could get into it, but there was just something about the lack of. It's not even not being grounded. It's like not even knowing what the ground is. Like, <laughs> yeah, a... that's, see, that's what I fucking love about it. Like there is no ground. Like we start in the sky and we only go upward from there, you know? Like like, like I don't think a game like Mario Plus Rabbids is that grounded. But no, it kind of no. still has different planets this yeah. is the system this is how you get one from one place to the other this is a, the vague story that's happening it's you're easy. talking about logic here bali which doesn't apply yeah. in this universe too bayonet that world it, it's not i thought like right we're gonna get a really interesting thing we're gonna be in heaven then we're gonna be in hell then we're yeah. gonna be in the main world it's like i can barely remember when we were in any of those three areas no like, i know I, I don't remember i don't know why we were underwater for so long i don't yeah. know why we were in like four different areas that all claim to be held then we went back 500 years and then <laughs> they never jumped forward again from the 500 years it's like this game just didn't have any respect for no. my my logic or no. my time or what or the things that i value in characters and stories and video yeah. games and you know it, it's a take i respect it for its take it's not yes. my cup of tea i can totally see why a lot of people really love this game yeah um I would like this game quite a lot if all the characters' story and all that gelled with me a lot more because I do think there's a lot going for the combat and mm. but yeah that, that all of that world stuff is enough to put me off the third game personally and That's I'd, fair. Yeah. I'd rather try another character action game if I was mm. ever going to try again in this genre but yeah Bena and and <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, sh- we gotta say it, but like the amount of like sexualization and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not tasteful. It's just not, I don't yeah, know. It's it, just, it's, it, it's an interesting one because I've seen arguments on both sides of the fence for this, right? Like I've seen like the idea that she is a character who owns her sexualization, right? And is, is, but then you look at it from the perspective of like the camera almost controls that, right? So I, I totally, yeah. I'd agree if she was perhaps written by like, 
a team of women who were yeah. promoting that i just feel i'm gonna gamble that it's probably not and it's probably japanese yeah. men uh, yeah it's um, totally yeah but, it's, it's... which i'm i feel uncomfortable about but yeah totally um, um yeah, that's, that's, it's one of those topics that definitely i have seen different and a, a lot of kind of um perspectives on it as well um you know from from different places and yeah it's i i'm interested to see how it's handled in bayonetta 3 um but yeah, yeah. She generally like a lot of people look at bayonetta as a character who kind of owns owns that but like i don't know again like you said who who was writing this character who i agree she owns kind of, it i, I yeah. I'll, I'll defend that um yeah i i'm i don't know I, yeah. I, even if she does own it there's like her partner jean is like yeah it's very randomly naked all the time and like, yeah yeah and right, then bathtubs like, and this sort of thing mm-hmm. and it's like, okay right yeah okay yeah uh, and i think i think you're right it's i think video games and these sorts of debates have changed a lot even from 2014 so i'm very yeah. interested how uh bayonetta 3 handles these things um, right i mean bayonetta 3 has a mode where you know in case your mom walks in the room uh she doesn't take her clothes off right like oh, there's God. there's right. the like uh i was i can't remember something angel mode that they've they've implemented which is like hey uh when her hair comes <laughs> off her body it doesn't uh it doesn't show that anymore uh, and you're you're fine to play this around family yeah it's all all of this is just not my cup of tea it just isn't i respect it i think that mechanically it's very solid mm-hmm. i had a good time with most of the combat i yeah. do think it was repetitive after a while but i th- i think that repetition felt a lot stronger when you're so disengaged from the world and the story for me um uh but i'm i'm glad i tried it i think it was a good game trade pick um but let's do something other than character action next time all right yeah no i mean i, I don't is my aim yeah the thing is like this genre isn't very well represented on nintendo generally no. so there's you know there's there's not a lot of other ones out there it's, i don't think it's a particularly i don't think there's a ton of games in the genre i don't think no. it's a particularly widespread thing depending on your definitions but mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah totally and i know that this is probably one of the best out there so i'm glad that we started with it, right one of those it's 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 kind of the situation with i think castlevania as well where like i think bloodstained is one of the best castlevania games and you just bounced off it right (laughs) uh so i think it i think having had no experience of the genre as well it's a good comparison yeah yeah exactly and and i think that also same with the kind of super castlevania 4 i think it's one of the best kind of traditional castlevania games and you also were like no this isn't for me so like i think it's a good idea for you with these genres to start at the top almost because if you're not if you're not going to jive with bayonetta 2 which i think many consider to be the greatest character action game ever made uh then like i don't i don't know that there's a lot of hope for you i don't know i I would say something like devil may cry 5 would be interesting to see your take on because i would be interested i'll be honest i'm most interested in the god of wars because i love god of war remake not remake um reboot. the reboot um, yeah and I, as much as those games are just hammy and ridiculous i do feel like oh we're actually getting a you know a tour of the greek gods and this could could be interesting you know even if it even if the mechanics on that game might be a bit dated oh, are you talking you're talking about the original god of war games on playstation right ps2 Pardon? you're talking about the original ps2 games yes, right yeah yeah, yeah yeah um yeah totally i yeah those games are I think, yeah, <laughs> will we'll have aged, as I mentioned on our Nintendo show, even worse than Bayonetta yes. and that kind of, uh, you know, the way they handle women, uh, let's say, uh, is is awful. Why uh, do character action games not like handling women? I, I guess they're just all misogynists. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's real rough, real rough out there. Um, but yeah, I would say Devil May Cry 5 is a, is a good one to, to try. It's got three different characters who all play very differently. Again, like, dumb stuff for me, like, Dante, like, takes his motorcycle and splits it in half and uses it as a weapon. Like, that's fucking great. Like, but I don't know if that really 
works for someone like you who's just like yeah okay i'm just hitting things you know i mean it's all about context if i'm already yeah. invested in the other things that dante is doing then yeah. sure he's allowed to do ridiculous things yeah. it's when i'm already would... not invested in the world the characters are writing and then they do ridiculous things i'm like yeah okay mm-hmm. right okay fine yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah i guess i guess probably not then because like all these games tend to be very hammy and ridiculous and just not really like characters exist and words are said but mostly <laughs> none of it makes sense or is and it has no cohesion to it um and i'm totally fine with that right like i i could not tell you a whit of what happened in bayonetta 2 except for i beat up a bunch of people right um and yeah. I, I really agree with you on that point right like the writing i think is bad i think that the characters are like paper thin and are just like they're just exuberant uh kind of caricatures you know and um i don't even think they're a million miles away from actually if they just slowed the pace down just a bit and just tried to explain what was <laughs> yeah. going on but then that's a, a very different game probably yeah that, that's not what people want you know people yeah. just want a thousand miles per second uh action ride and that's exactly what these games provide and um yeah i would say devil may cry 5 is definitely a little more reined in but um it, it, it's still going to be a similar thing right and um i again like i i am one of those players who because there's a a big audience for these games who are there to play it on the hardest difficulty and learn Mm. every combo and it's almost akin to a fighting game right where you are just like getting expertly good at these games and they will go go for pure platinum runs where they just get hardest difficulty pure platinum medal on every single fight throughout the whole thing i'm sure that's incredible to watch and really really hard to do and i am not there for that at all i'm here to put it on easy smack some buttons have some music and action blare in my eyeballs and just like enjoy the ride almost It, it is like it's basically like a roller coaster for me and i think that's the thing that i derive enjoyment from when it comes to these types of experiences um and as we said like you care much more about story in in, in games and if something doesn't kind of hold up in, in that sense or it like it can have a pretty flat boring story i just have yeah. to at least understand it right you know? you, you um, need you need some kind of like through line that works yeah, and i'm just, i'm like just yeah, anything <laughs> anything i'm not I'm, yeah. not I'm not even the high bar just, no. just something <laughs> yeah something to hold on to and i'm like yeah whatever uh, i'm just gonna go on this so yeah i think that that totally makes sense and, and i respect that for sure and uh um, yes uh, i'm sure everyone will hear me raving about bayonetta 3 next week anyway so um uh, i'm looking forward to that and you're going to be day out. one on that game and you you're humming and humming between easy and normal yeah i'm kind of I'm kinda gonna go with the wind and see where it takes me um i'll be interested if you can change difficulty mid-level yeah i don't think that probably will happen if i'm honest i think that's probably I think that's these... partly because of the the high school nature like it you is saying yes um, exactly uh because i got a very like the end of the game it's like right here's all the 16 chapters you did here are your medals and here are the difficulties you did each level on and it was like yes. a, that's my that's my stamp of that's how good i am at this game <laughs> you know that's yeah so having a, the ability to change difficulty mid-level would defeat that i guess yeah i mean like i think they have accessibility stuff in there where it's just like a one button mode where you can just press one button and it just does crazy shit for you you know like they 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 have added a ways to make this a bit more approachable to people generally but um i think the only character action game that i've played on normal is astral chain um which uh i think was a good level like the final boss was tricky but i managed to pull through that and and, and make it through but um yeah i generally kind of play these games on easy because as i said i'm just there for things blowing up really uh, and that's a fun time uh, they, they me, certainly so. blew up i'll give you they that. did yeah they, they certainly did. do um awesome so uh my game bally that you gave me was owl boy 2016's owl boy from d-pad studios uh, there was actually a metroidvania out there you hadn't played yet 
Yeah, yeah. And um, and I think I had my reasons of like, I don't know, something about Owlboy just seemed a bit off to me. Just the way that you control the character by like flying around. It's not traditional at all. And you can you carry these other characters with you and they shoot the guns, but you're like holding on to them almost, like grabbing them as they... It's it's just a bit of a weird setup and they can like disappear. It's a bit and, dual stick shooter kind of thing. Yeah, know? kind of a combo of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think my overall take on Owlboy is... It's good. It's okay. It's it's a decent game. Um and I don't think it really elevated beyond that for me ever. I think part of that is some of the kind of later level design and and certain uh, decisions they make that I think like they have made something that is absolutely gorgeous, right? I would put this up there with Eastwood in terms of the mm. best pixel art I've seen in a game. Like those are probably the two best examples. It's quite a bit older than Eastwood as well. Yeah, exactly, which is even more impressive. The fact it came out in 2016 and even then was one of the best-looking games. It's still now one of the best-looking pixel art games ever made. Um, you know, I might have a personal preference for the art style of Eastwood, but I do think that this is probably the second best-looking pixel art game out there. Just in terms of sheer density and detail, you look at the trees and it's just like, holy shit, like this is absolutely stunning to look at. Um, so that was the main thing that drew me in. I think they do a great job of like all the areas looking really, really great um, and having kind of good variety um it has a weird structure though and i and it's like kind of story driven and there's this whole story about these yeah very very linear like there are these pirates and there are the owls and the owl clan and they made the pirates maybe but the pirates invaded and they're attacking the town and then you're defending the town but then you have to go to a temple to find a thing and then the the boss of the pirates is looking for the third one and then you go to the it just feels the way that it's structured story-wise just again just felt a little bit strange and and not traditional yeah I would say. normally it's like there's a problem you need to go to these three areas and get yeah. the doohickey from each cave and right phase three bosses you come back and then you do a second phase and then eventually there's a final boss and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's not really that at all is it no it isn't and um and yeah, and I think that like there's some interesting stuff the game does. I think the movement is really cool. Obviously, you are an owl boy, and so you have wings, and you can kind of basically fly indefinitely. You, you did your like uh, aerial roll when you were around at, at mine, and you're like, right, yes. this is it instantly game of the year? And that's uh-huh. like roll. <laughs> yeah no I, you know that's my thing with games is like if you let me move fast in your game i'm instantly going to be like okay good tick box checked uh like with tiny kin i was like oh yep this soap thing i can slide on everywhere great i can just move around as fast as i want um and yeah you probably saw by when i was playing at your house bally uh, i was just like fucking zipping across every screen just as fast as possible because that's just how i like to move around games like this um and so yeah the game is nice in that it gives you can i just also say when we played the co-op game escape academy that's also how you played that game where uh-huh. you would you would just barrel into rooms like we're gonna really pick this up gonna do this and i'm just like methodically walking very yeah. slowly like i think we need to go over here I yeah think. and you're like well, i picked this thing up man. i've got this there's just our different game styles i know very very yeah easy it to does... see in a game like escape Academy. exactly it doesn't yeah it doesn't surprise me that bally always like takes longer because he is a he and i appreciate I'm it so... you're you're like taking the world in and like really doing it and i'm yeah. like nope let me just go over here and, and pick up this thing uh yeah totally um so yeah that's as soon as i as soon as i got that i was like all right i'm just dashing everybody everywhere um and I, that's really fun I, I like that a lot and i do like the fact that you're able to hold on to those characters which have the guns and dash at the same time while holding them i think you get a little bit of a speed penalty by doing that so if you you get rid of them and drop them and just go on your own you're a bit faster um but uh but yeah it's nice to have that and it's it's just a 
cool way to move through the world um and kind of like get around obstacles and stuff but obviously they kind of have to build the level design in a way such that you can't break it in that way and they have to kind of find ways that it works and doesn't like ruin puzzles or like get you to places where you shouldn't be able to right because if you give the player freedom to fly everywhere like you then have to kind of build around that and i think that might be one of the drawbacks in the level design is that they kind of have to accommodate for it and so it's it's a little trickier to make stuff that's a bit more intricate and like platformy because there's not much platforming in this game because you're able to fly everywhere it almost like strips that away um and yeah i think it's not like a death by a thousand cuts but there's just like a lot of little things that just kind of annoyed me especially towards the end of the game um stuff like just some of the way that enemies are handled there's this this certain enemy um that are these hummingbirds which they will just like hover midair and then they will kind of like go into a state where they're about to zoom at you and then they'll zoom at you right and they'll just home in on you and these enemies and every enemy in fact just follow you wherever you go so even if you go through another screen they will just still be there following you and it leads to points where you're basically forced to fight enemies and you're not able to just run away from them and for me that's just frustrating in terms of like there are certain checkpoints where i had to start on an area and i had to get to the other area and i would i would just die on the way there and just be like okay i just want to get back there quickly and i couldn't i would i would almost be forced to kill these enemies slowly on the way to get back there and i just don't like that as a way of and they respawn every time yeah exactly i i don't like that kind of frustration of of being like well i was just there and it i just didn't it just didn't checkpoint me properly so now i have to go through the section that i've already i already meticulously went through and killed everything but i'm getting punished for rushing through it by like you know enemies just following me the whole way there um which you know i just i just find that a little frustrating and then they kind of pair it with these these armor guys these metal armor guys who walk around and they don't take any damage there's no way to seemingly no way to kill them you keep shooting them and they just constantly spawn these these hummingbird dudes and i was like oh these are a pain and then by accident i was holding a fruit so you can pick up fruit in this game and you can use it to restore your health or you can like throw it around and stuff i accidentally dropped a fruit on the enemy and that got rid of their armor i was like what the hell like the game didn't teach me this at all like it just kind of i accidentally my way into it and i'm like well that's not great because like i just you know i was using the most powerful gun with the big guy who has the like flame gun that does a shotgun blast and none of that was working yeah yeah none of that was working on them and then i accidentally drop a fruit on their head and all of a sudden they're like invulnerable now and i'm like okay well that's that's weird design choice um so like little things like that where like at least if they taught me that that would have been nice but they kind of just throw these guys in there and almost expect you to stumble your way into that solution um which is yeah just a little frustrating um and i think like some of the you know they, they have like enemy rooms where it's just okay let's just spawn a bunch of enemies in a row for you to fight against um and those just can be annoying of like okay that because the guns the way the guns work is there's one the main guy you have geddy i think he has like a regular pea shooter gun then you have the big pirate dude and he has a shotgun but the cooldown on the shotgun is really long and it doesn't there's no way throughout the game at least from what i could find to reduce that cooldown so you basically get one shotgun blast and then you're kind of hanging around for like five six seconds until it resets and then you can use it again and in a fast-paced game like this where enemies are flying at you constantly it's just not a reliable tool to to use so you're almost always using getty to use his p shot which is like good but like it just takes a while to kill enemies so it's just like this awkward trying to kill them waiting for your thing to recharge and then like hoping you don't miss your shotgun shot because if you miss it whoops you're gonna have to wait until it resets again and you kind of lose your chance there so that certainly happened quite a few times and then the last character you get is almost a movement ability character where they can grapple onto grapple hooks and they can shoot out a pea shoot thing as well and it's just a little bit 
it's okay but actually that that one did help because that one webs enemies so it almost like uh, entangles them and makes them ineffective so that actually did help in the end of the game kind of going through those previous areas of like oh i can just web these guys and you know they i don't have to kill them i can just kind of incapacitate them and then just run past them essentially because um, there's no xp it's not a metrovania in the sense like castlevania where you're gaining levels and stuff like that there's not really any incentive to fight enemies because enemies don't even give health which is part of the reason why i was just trying to run past them because i'm like there is actually no point to me fighting these and also i can fly everywhere so what like it's, it's one of those level design things i just don't think they really figured out is like there is no incentive to fight enemies um in the game which i i think is always a tricky thing uh, for games to figure out and especially in a game where you can just fly um i, I just don't think they kind of got there with it which you know is, is frustrating but I think I do think that if they can build on this idea, which they're not, they're doing a totally different game now, a mm. kind of trampoline multiplayer thing. I think a second <laughs> so Owl Boy from it. It's so weird and different, and has been another like seven, eight years since that. I think six years now, actually, since twenty sixteen. Right, so. I don't know. I think that they could do uh, a lot of good with a second Owlboy where they kind of like think about some of the design problems and mm. how they can get past them. Um, but yeah, there's just a, one too many awkward mechanics. Like there are these birds that get set on fire that you kind of use your little, uh, with, the, with the pirate dude, he has a, a lighter almost that you can use to burn leaves and you can use to get through areas. But you can set these little weird pelican dudes on fire and they just kind of like bounce along around, uh, alongside you and you have to explode them nearby rocks that then will explode if that explosion hits them and it's this awkward thing of like they follow you behind you but you want to get them in a position in front of you so you can shoot them so that they get the explosion radius just a little awkward you know um and just some of these ideas i think it just starts from the, the base idea of having to hold another character to shoot it's just awkward in the first place and so you, you're almost building a game around that awkwardness to begin with and like another little thing is okay i want to pick up these things from the ground to heal myself okay i'm just going to drop my character and go and pick this thing up oh whoops that thing's too close so it thinks i want to pick up my character instead so i'm like okay let's move the character or like five feet away so that i can then go back to the fruit and pick it up just it's just little things right mm. and i don't think in isolation any of these things make the game um kind of lesser but all put together it just kind of chipped away at it yeah. and like i was enjoying it for like the first two three hours but then like the end game just kind of ramped up in difficulty and some of the boss fights got frustrating and just all these little things kind of just added to the point where i was like you know this is i still enjoy playing the game i still think it's a good game um, and it has like great presentation music all that sort of stuff is excellent but mechanically it just wasn't quite there for me and so it, it just falls short in, in a few areas right. um that yeah didn't quite work for me like looking back honestly i can kind of agree with all your points when i think mm -hmm. about the game i definitely agree like the first opening hours where you're hit by the music the the visuals the world like it's all very really nicely done but i yeah. do agree like it's a very short game and when there's enough mechanics that just don't feel spot on and I, i've played a ton of metroidvania since our boy that are just mechanically infinitely stronger mm -hmm. um and i think that also shapes how i feel because i agree that like is just a bit finicky and then you i remember like there being like chase sequences and some tough bosses and oh right yeah it's the game's asking you to do things without necessarily the the tools to do them and that's always a, a frustrating disconnect and yeah. um i agree that overall this game is a lot more style necessarily than it might be substance and yes, that, that can sure. get to you but um yeah no i i agree and i'm glad i'm glad to give it a go but i, yeah. I think that it you're right i think as impressive as the visuals are i think mechanically a lot of games have have come on since this game and you know mm -hmm. 
Here's an example of a game that I think handles very similarly to Alboy, but in a completely different setting that is a very good Metroidvania that we both enjoyed is Carrion. Mm, where yes. Carrion, you're actually flying around it, but doesn't necessarily look like it because of the physics, the, the way that the the movement of the meat blob masks oh, the physics yes. in a weird way, but you are actually just flying around. And I think that game mechanically does more stronger with the idea of flying around and just like stealthing up behind enemies or doing this, that, you know, attacking these scientists out from the pipes and things. Like, I think yeah. that's a stronger way of using like that flying around ability than necessarily picking up characters that then shoot and it's a very different game obviously but like i think think there's different ways that it could have been handled maybe i don't know totally i do think both of those games suffer from a similar issue which is neither of them have a map and i think both of them could Mm. use one uh, or at least would be a bit helpful because there was certainly there was a point middle of way through the game where it was like go back to your house and i'm like i i don't even know where that yeah. is like you know i'm like uh, and there's no indicator on the map or i i agree even if even if the majority of players might not need a map i think even for the players that might need one because i did want a map and carry in and i knew you you didn't really mind not having yeah, one totally. um but just so that players who might be a little bit put off by where everything is based because uh, mm-hmm. i think knowing where things are in a video game is a is very much like a skill that you it's not not necessarily something you have or don't have but it's something you can definitely improve on the more games you play like i think playing metroidvanias and zelda style games like you naturally become better at memorization in terms of locations and this kind of thing so if alboy is your first metroidvania yeah you're gonna have a rough time when they say yeah Mm -hmm. go back to your house or something so Yeah. yeah i do think maps are important in games like that totally i also think though there are certain games that like just do a better job of teaching you the space right if you think about something like elden ring and breath of the wild you could show me a screenshot from either of those games from anywhere in those games and how Mm. massive they are i could tell you exactly where you are in that game show me a screenshot from horizon i have no fucking idea because it all (laughs) looks the same right like that that's the difference i think in terms of world design where some games really nail it and understand and like you know certain metroid games for me like super metroid you can show me i'm like oh i know where that is right um versus something like Alboy, where i'm like oh i i don't really understand how this is connected together and i think carrie and alboy are the same in that way where they don't have maps but also I, I think the worlds are kind of they're generic enough to where they don't really have a a space that you can internalize as easily mm. you know um yeah and yeah and, and yeah it's, it's tricky but um but yeah generally i did i did enjoy it i think it's it's a fun game and i think it's you know it's it i think it took me five hours ish so it was yeah on the kind of um the quicker side of things so that's that's cool and it wasn't didn't kind of overstay its welcome i will say i really did enjoy the last boss fight because it almost it encourages you to switch between all three of your characters oh, right, yeah. um and you have to like basically break barriers by using each of their different weapons in order to do damage and um yeah i thought that was a good way to bring things all together in the end um but uh but yeah, I uh, I'm glad to have played it. So uh, yeah, thanks for uh, giving it to me. I like that the the main character they make a point of the fact he is a mute. Yes, and they do. Rather than just having a character who's a mute, they actually say he's a mute rather right. than just go along with it like Link or something. You know. Yeah, they build a story around it, which is nice. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So um, anyway, um, yeah, I think I think interesting picks this year. Probably like not because i think previous years like at least one of us has been like yeah i really like this game like rhythm heaven for me i was like holy shit this game's incredible right um so yeah i think we're uh we're, we're less like hot overall on these ones but i think it's good that we both have the context uh, especially going into our kind of top 50 games i think both of these feature somewhere maybe owlboy doesn't but i think maybe it does somewhere um so uh so yeah 
good contact for the future and for our discussions. Um, but I think that is going to do us for our first segment. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. But don't go anywhere, because after this break, we are going to be back with some of your emails. See you in a bit. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second part of today's show. It's time for your emails. Uh, we always put out the call. It works normally. Uh, we're, we're putting out the call again. We would like some more emails. The, the well's not dry dry, but it's mm-hmm. it's not it's, it's not wet either. It's kinda... We're not on dry dry desert, but we're not in um, snow snow land. <laughs> I, don't no, know, st- I don't know what the name of that level is in Mario 64. Um, but yeah, we're not on the penguin land either. So yeah. No. Uh, get um, us closer to penguin land. Like in that Mario trailer with those penguins. Yeah. Oh, that was that. I love that. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, if you would like to send an email into the show, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We would be most grateful. You can also post an email, a comment, uh, a thought into the channel over on our Discord server. We've got a growing community over there. Uh, has all, it's a, there's a whole channel just for email, so we'd appreciate one over there if you'd prefer to do that instead of an email because mm-hmm. who opens up their email anymore? But anyway... Our first email is from Brad W. It says, two quick questions. What are some of your favorite gaming YouTubers slash podcasts? And also, are there any Super Nintendo games you're wishing would come to the Nintendo Switch online service? I'm definitely hoping for Chrono Trigger. Not going to hold my breath, though cool uh, yeah i think uh, i think we've done this multiple times on the show of kind of like uh, yeah for those who don't know we are like if there's one thing we're bigger enthusiasts in than video games uh-huh. it's probably listening to podcasts <laughs> yeah yeah um i i feel like because i've been very busy recently the last few months or whatever at work i just have not had i used to be able to listen to podcasts while i worked because i did like social stuff so i'd be like making little photoshop vi- uh, videos and like um images and stuff i'd be like perfect i can just have a podcast on all day literally Literally while i'm working and uh recently that's not the case because i don't do that anymore i'm like doing uh publishing stuff uh which is uh, a lot more uh involved and, and lots of meetings and stuff like that so uh, i have fallen behind on my podcast flying to conventions uh yeah going to gamescom stuff like, which actually helped because i could listen to it on the plane and stuff but um oh, that's something yeah you need to get to more conventions then. yeah i need to go to gdc next year that'll be great um but yeah basically i uh i have uh, fallen behind horribly on my podcast and i think i have like 
currently 259 unplayed average length of the <sighs> podcast for me is two hours so that's like i don't know 500 hours of stuff i'm still behind on um so yeah it's going well it's going fine but you know here's the thing you and i we listen to podcasts constantly and i think you with uh, bally jr you have had more time to listen to podcasts mm, i guess as well which is definitely interesting. yeah just any time that like i'm doing bedtime with him or feeding him i'll just have a podcast in my ear and i'm just listening and yeah uh, people will say you're not engaged with your son Val. it's like uh, he's 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 drinking milk it's totally fine <laughs> we're not we're not engaging at that point anyway he's a potato he can't do anything at the moment so yeah yeah um, yeah totally yeah i and we should say like so i'm sub to like 38 different po- 48 sorry did i say 38 or 48 yeah. no, 48 yeah um that i keep regularly on top of now some of those feeds are dead and i should also say i listen to everything on 1.7 speed uh in uh-huh. order to get so this is a very foreign concept to people who don't do it. They're like, uh-huh. why on earth would you listen to podcasts sped up? It's like, well, so you can listen to more podcasts, obviously. Uh-huh. Like, that's the whole point. Um, I'm sure there's some listeners out there who will also listen to sped up podcasts. Maybe yeah. maybe my voice right now is being sped up. I'm pretty sure that our voice, we, uh, by the way, needs to be really faster than the people who are listening on 1.5 times speed, even singing as much. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can tell the people who speak slowly on podcasts because they sound normal to me on 1.5 times speed. You <laughs> yes, know? exactly. Um, there are certain, certain podcasters who do talk a lot faster and... And um, yeah, that's a lot harder to keep up with. But generally, I, I go between 1.5 and 1.7 generally uh, when I listen the, as well. The one time I don't listen sped up is when I'm going to bed and I'll put on a 30 minute yeah. timer yeah. and I'll listen on normal speed and I'll just drift off. And then after 30 minutes, my podcast will stop and it mm-hmm. won't play through my entire list of podcasts ready yeah. to still go. So yeah, we we do like podcasts. That's part of the reason we started a podcast is we love podcasts. Yes, Exactly um so uh are there any bally that obviously we we talk about some of the regular ones all the time are there any other ones that you kind of have gone into recently or ones that kind of stand out to you at the moment so i listen to gaming podcasts sports pol- podcasts and politics podcasts i'll go through the gaming ones but yeah just listen to us rfn where it all started ready free nintendo giant bombcast uh Jeff Grassman's show, that's a new one, but with obviously him leaving Giant Bomb. Just yeah. He's just a very interesting person hearing about his experience in the industry and he does a lot of reminiscing about he's not into the hotness and the current games in the same way as maybe a lot of other podcasts are. He'll still talk about the current stuff, but getting his insight on the industry when you have as much experience as him is fascinating and mm-hmm. we can all learn from Jeff Grassman for sure. Yes. Uh, next lander uh kind of funny ps i love you xoxo i listen to that uh kind of funny games cast is decent i love kind of funny games daily that's my go-to daily monday to friday news show that i listen to so i get it's where i get most of my gaming news other than like twitter the min max show is maybe one of my favorite if not my favorite po- gaming podcast at the mm-hmm. moment ben hansen is a fantastic host and they they're really good at covering i think of an array of video games and when i say that i mean They'll definitely give a lot of the indies and Nintendo games a lot more limelight than perhaps other podcasts can tend to do. I think sometimes podcasts can be guilty of just covering the big AAA hotness. And I think it's a good example that, for example, they're they're covering Rabbids. I don't think a ton of podcasts have talked about Rabbids yet, and it's still early days, but that's a good one. Waypoint Radio is the best possible blend of politics and video games Mm -hmm. and hearing about the industry and... Hearing about how awful the industry is generally, and actually someone who will call that out and talk about it in depth is really refreshing on Waypoint, so I'd highly yeah. recommend that. Uh, the AIAS Game Maker's Notebook. Um, 
is really interesting just hearing it's a load of interviews with people inside the industry i'm always wanting to learn more about the industry and i think it's something a lot of podcasts are guilty of it's not their fault because i think the industry is a very closed box by and large mm-hmm. uh, but getting little tidbits of like how the industry operates and all these things i think is valuable so that's a good one retro notes is good for retro stuff sometimes they pop up with stuff yeah also retro stuff is becoming like game boy advance and n64 yeah. and stuff that's more our speed now and they're kind of covering that stuff at the moment which is nice that's a good example that yeah retro when we were growing up was like we don't care about these awful nes games we want to yeah. play the modern stuff but um fire escape cast is hilarious um they are a really nice blend of video games and then just general chat um i love dan Riker and i think uh marion mike Mahi- mike mahardia pretty hilarious they've got like a really good vibe the three of them and i, I really mm-hmm. like the game of the year stuff they, they're almost like not taken over from giant bomb but they kind of in my mind have become my favorite game of the year discussion on the podcast escape i'd say probably that they basically and this they talk about this on the show but their show feels like they're just at a bar chatting basically yeah. and that's what they basically their show is based on is like them used to you could go to bars and like chat about stuff yeah basically. which makes it a lot longer form and more casual and less and now is the segment but we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about yeah. this and I, although i do I like, like the way they do that ads now and they're like athletic greens yeah <laughs> just like go off on one uh, it's like funny. dan is like the least healthy person yeah. perhaps i know in the podcasting universe and yeah. he is like promoting <laughs> athletic greens it's just so funny to me yeah uh the podcast called the game press who's that run by again i've forgotten his oh name. yeah that's um that's uh chris bratt who does right. uh, people make games who are an excellent i think one of the best kind of uh gaming youtube presences they're almost like documentarians in a way like similar to no clip but they look into like very interesting stories um but the games press is a great podcast because like right in my wheelhouse of like just interviews with people from the games media yeah, um which is really very good. good and yeah chris used to work for Eurogamer, and he knows a lot of those people and has good insight into like what goes on but also from has the insight from a press side from traditional press side but also from a youtube modern influencer press side um and yeah really good interviews and that's only monthly but i think it's one of my favorites as well uh, the Kit and Carista podcast. Obviously, they both got laid off by Nintendo. They did Nintendo Minute. Yeah. Um, like I was saying about the industry being a closed box, that's not the case more so than Nintendo. So uh-huh. they've got a little segment on there where they do like to talk about like stories from inside Nintendo. And yeah. obviously, they save some of the juicy stuff to themselves, I guess. Yes. But they've got a lot to share. You, you can learn a lot about Nintendo from listening to their podcast. And yeah. th- they've got a good vibe as well. I think that... They will still talk about the current games and talk about non-Tendo games, which is fun. And yeah, so th- they're they're fine for that stuff. But the the really good stuff that they share is like the the industry secrets from Nintendo. Um, yeah, and often their podcast has generated a few headlines since it launched. I, I know, yeah, year, which is quite entertaining. Uh, yeah, the thing that I also like about them is that they you know they'll pick like a long game to talk about and then they'll talk about it for like eight weeks in a row like when they were playing elden ring they just do like a little update every uh, yeah. week of like oh we played this much more we got to this point i'm struggling with this like it's kind of like almost journaling in the way that they talk about games which is nice yeah which is nice they're not like i played 20 minutes of the latest game and now i'm moving no. on to 20 minutes of the next latest game it's yes. like i'm actually be- gonna beat this game you know yeah. i think one of them played elden ring and the other one played horizon which is very yes. similar to us yeah. um so you know these games are long and they wanted to see the end of those so it's nice it's actually realistic to talk about games in that way but mm-hmm. that's all the video game ones to listen to i could go on forever about politics yeah and, and i think the question sport, was mainly about game stuff i'll, so, I'll, I'll yeah. hold i'll hold for now 
yeah um yeah i mean i listen to a lot of similar stuff that the ballet does as well we have a lot of crossover and obviously back in the day um i was always recommending like oh this show or this show and stuff like that mm. um a couple of recent ones for me that i think are really good is the back page podcast which is if you you know grew up with uk games magazines and the uk games press um it's hosted by uh, matthew castle who used to work at uh n gamer and then official nintendo magazine um also samuel roberts who worked on a bunch of those magazines as well i think on the playstation side and uh, now works uh, in pr as well um, but they basically talk about old game magazine stuff and they have people on the show from the uk games press and from you know uk generally games industry stuff uh, and they just have great banter and a, a really fun show but also matthew has very similar taste to me he loves ace attorney he loves xenoblade and they they do like deep dive episodes where they're like we're just going to talk about this whole f- franchise this whole series almost like a guide to get into it ranking all the games like and they also do a series where they rank like they go back in time of like let's go back to 2009 what are our top 10 games of that year and they kind of do their rankings as they go through the years like lots of um podcasts that almost not uh, your traditional with what are we playing here's the news like it's very different they almost like every episode is this is a retrospective or this is a top 10 or something like it's i really like it for that and it's, it stands out and is different and also has that kind of uk bent to it so I'd, i highly recommend the back page i think that's a really good uh podcast um and uh, another one is into the aether which i talk about all the time but i think it is one of the most positive like uplifting shows on the internet about games um and is just a delight and i think the two hosts are amazing the production on it is amazing um and yeah it feels like uh just a warm blanket of a podcast that is just they're, they're kind of where positive. we want to be right they're that little yeah a little bit bigger than, than us but not they're not in the upper echelons yeah i mean you know they have a great community and i i really like that i'm very active on their discord and like chatting with people there and you know i've, I've uh, played some fall guys with people on that server and stuff like it's, it's a really great community and, and a, a good bunch of people um and yeah i i really love that show i think it's probably my favorite games podcast at the moment so uh, i would highly recommend into the aether it's it's awesome um and yeah i you know i think we've covered a lot of the other ones i still listen to easy allies i actually think obviously easy allies have lost a lot of people recently which is uh, a bit of a shame but um they now have brad ellis hosting frame trap and i think that show is is even better than it was before like he's a really good host for that show and that's their kind of deep dive into talking about what games they're playing um and i think the, the that show has even got better since brad became the host which i think is is really awesome to see because i always love ben ben moore is, is great um but yeah i think brad's done an amazing job on hosting frame trap who's all left now um so ben left brandon left and, and kyle left so there's right. uh don isla uh damiani um brad huber and um i'm missing someone i'm missing someone but there's six of them uh left right still. okay and um yeah and they've got gabby who's joined recently who she is their kind of community person as well so nice. uh, yeah they're still they're still going um and uh, i still enjoy easy ally stuff um but uh yeah i i would say that those are kind of like most of the things i uh, i sometimes listen to triple click which is jason schreier's podcast with uh, kirk hamilton and, and maddie myers it used to be a kotaku podcast um but then they all left kotaku so i uh, became but they get like the podcast i get podcasts but they're they're partnered with maximum fun maximum fun do like you know it's the Mac- it's basically the mcelroy brothers empire of podcasts uh, which is just the biggest thing possible uh, and and they they're part of that network and uh, yeah I, I listened to their most recent episode because uh, jason uh, recently played case of the golden idol and talked about it on that episode so that was fun that's really um, cool so 
yeah and she's calling it one of his favorite games of the year so that's that's really awesome um also yeah if you want another kind of giant bomb adjacent podcast uh GameSpot after dark is really good it's the GameSpot podcast i've been listening to that since the beginning and obviously now with lucy and tamor being on giant bomb as well um it's some nice crossover there um and uh yeah it's 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 a really good show very short only an hour usually but like in there out there very good banter very good fun uh, i love GameSpot after dark it's really good um and yeah and, and uh i think the question asked about youtubers as well um and there is there's loads we could just like spend the whole game makers toolkit game yeah i mean game makers toolkit is amazing that's probably one of the best channels it's my maybe my favorite i follow so few gaming youtubers consistently but whenever mark brown's videos come out my god they're so well edited he's so Mm -hmm. well thought through and yeah um just i watched last night his video on I think it was uh, like Rollerdrome, right? No, the one before that. It was like, oh, okay. and it's already on 1.2 million views already oh, yeah. in just like four weeks. Um, it's the one about like issues games had and how they fixed them. And the yes. example they used was Gears of War and right the active I'll, reload system. Yeah, active yeah. reload and pro players using the active reload and bad players not being able to do it. And then the solution was there's magic bullets at the end of a clip for uh-huh. the for the more average players, which is just the most clever thing that made no sense you gotta watch the video i'm I'm probably magic bullets just look up magic bullets <laughs> gears of yeah. war and you'll see what I'm, I'm saying but it's really fascinating and he just breaks all that stuff down so eloquently yeah yeah really really smart guy um obviously very high up my list as well and you know similar stuff if you want high quality stuff no clip and people make games obviously doing documentary work that is fantastic um and, and highly recommend those channels i think those are really really good uh, as well um yeah, I watch loads of stuff, and I, I think I've, like, having done kind of uh, looking for influencer stuff for work, like, there are some people I've come across and be like, oh, they're kind of cool, like, I'm kind of into what they do. Um, uh, like, Skill Up is a good example, where I kind of knew of Skill Up before, and I followed some of his stuff, but um, he now does a podcast with Lucy James and Gerard the Completionist and uh, Jake Baldino from Game Ranks, which is a really good podcast that I enjoy quite a bit, and that's a YouTube one that I kind of, like, put on the background sometimes. But Skill Up um, also featured a couple of our games in his... He does, like, a, a weekly news show that gets a lot of views, like three, 400,000 views and um he has a segment on there called put this on your radar and he featured both the last faith and the entropy center on that segment uh so uh, i'm now biased towards skill up because he <laughs> liked our games um but yeah i think he, he does a really good job of breaking things down and like um his his videos that like talk about new game releases and his almost like 40 minute reviews are always really well written and well thought out um and i think he does a really good job uh there as well so i, I think he's he's great um i like good vibes gaming a lot they're they're good fun obviously john cartwright who was at um nintendo life uh moved over there now and he does he does videos that are like laser targeted towards me which is like hey what's the nichiest nintendo yeah. thing you could think of and here's a video i did about it and i think they're so good i think he's also like this very similar age to us, us yes. which helps so he's got a lot of nostalgia for like game boy advance and you know mm-hmm. systems we really grew up with gamecube stuff for sure GameCube. like there's loads of weird interesting stuff he's like let's talk about this very specific thing on this very specific console and i'm like yes give it to me i'll eat it up i think he does amazing work <laughs> Uh, on that channel um and yeah some video essayists are really good as well that i like uh euro uh, thug 4000 she does like very kind of personal video essays that are very contemplative her voice is very soothing and calming um she did a great video on elden ring and like the kind of calm and the beauty of elden ring and i think it's like a really excellent video essay uh, i highly recommend her videos they're, they're very very good um and i still like uh, girlfriend reviews i think they're very very funny i still i think they have a good kind of like take on things from a kind of comedic perspective but then they can do like really serious videos that are great like their last of us video i thought was excellent like uh, our last of us part two um that, that really broke down like why they loved it so much and i think it's um yeah a really really good 
uh, thing, as well as people like Jacob Gallo, who I think does excellent work mm. video essay wise. Generally, um, yeah, lot, Joseph lot Anderson. Yeah, I mean, you know, when he ever, ever does videos, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, sure, uh, Joseph Anderson is good. I did watch his Elden Ring video. Um, somehow he managed to put that out. Um, was know, it which as was... fascinating in equal measures as it was probably annoying? Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> no, totally, yes, always. The the master nitpicker is what I would call Joseph Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Like absolutely to the nth degree. I that's going to happen when you do video essays that are 10 hours long like what else are you going to talk about if not that sort of stuff um little known person on the internet who i just want to shout out uh one masahiro sakurai whose youtube ah. channel obviously went up recently uh which i watch quite often i think it's really really fun uh it's so cool that he's doing that and like kind of sharing his game design knowledge even though sometimes he does videos that are like well, yeah, that was obvious. Like, right, what are you? He's like, ah, oh, make sure that you know you players will enjoy your game. I'm like, okay, that's. I don't know if there's any advice in there, but uh, yeah, he he does good stuff. But um, yeah, as I said, I could I could keep going on. There are a couple of, like Twitch streamers that I've uh, gone into as well. Um, mainly around Xenoblade stuff. So Sarah Key is great. She basically she streams a bunch of games, and she's like a a really big fan of the first two Xenoblades. And so I watched her play through a bunch of Xenoblade three uh, for certain segments. But then she does edited down versions of her streams on YouTube that are like forty minutes to an hour. So it basically condenses like a whole chapter of Xenoblade into one video. And um, she just has great reaction. She also just like cries constantly. So like she she was like a mess at the end of Xenoblade two. And like I I like Xenoblade two, but I wasn't like that emotionally invested and then like i cried at xenoblade 3 so i was like oh boy she's gonna be like an absolute wreck watching xenoblade 3 and yeah seeing her reactions to everything that happens in that game is uh, amazing and i derive a lot of joy from watching people uh kind of react to those moments in that game specifically so uh yeah she's she's a very good streamer who i enjoy quite a bit but yeah there's loads there's tons i again i could we could fill up a whole like seven hours probably of me going through my list of people that i watch because there's so many if there's one thing we're doing when we're not playing video games it's consuming content on uh-huh. video games so yeah. <laughs> this is a real real hot spot yeah i'm just scratching the surface yeah. uh basically here but uh super nintendo games to the nintendo switch online yeah um, um are there I Square feel, Enix games on it currently? There are some. I mean, technically Mario RPG is one, but I, I, is that on? I don't think that's on Switch Online yet, right? That's not People on are it, still yeah. wanting we're, it. We've been um, meaning to get to that game, actually. Yeah, I, I can't think of other Square Enix games on it. Yeah, I think like because they have done their Final Fantasy Pixel remasters that are on yeah. PC... If that, I don't know when, but eventually Square Enix are going to release those on, on console. It's wild because Square Enix was so happy with their games being on the Nintendo, um, Super Nintendo Classic. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, the Classic doesn't have Chrono Trigger, but it does have Final Fantasy VI. It does, um, yes. As well as another Square game of names. Forgotten. I think Mario RPG is on that as well. Yeah, it is on um, it. Is, that yeah. was how we're going to play it. Um, and yeah, so, I, I mean, I... I'm not intending to play replay Chrono Trigger, but it should really come to. It really it should. Really should. Yeah. Um, um, the the one thing is, I think the DS version is just by far the superior version for Chrono right. Trigger. So I don't know how it would be going back to the Super. I'm sure the Super Nintendo version is still great. Obviously, like I think the Super Nintendo version of Final Fantasy VI is great. So I'd fully expect Chrono Trigger to be the same. But um, yeah, it would be nice to have that. I just I just feel like Square Enix they hold these games hostage in a way and i think they know they can make more money doing collections you know we've yeah. seen it already on the switch that a lot of these companies just do collections instead um so yeah it's hard i think 
like more likely it's just getting some of the niche stuff on there so i'm currently playing lufia 2 on my ambonic um on the train um and that's like held up as one of the the great super nintendo rpgs as well it's really cool i like lufia 2 a whole bunch so far and um it almost has that golden sun thing of like it's mixing zelda with an rpg so like you're doing environmental puzzles of like you're using an arrow to hit a switch to open a bridge and like you're picking things up and putting them down and like stepping on switches to open doors like it's a really nice blend actually of like zelda dungeon puzzles with rpg combat and you kind of get into the turn-based stuff as well um so yeah i would love to see stuff like the lufia games on there um or even just other japanese rpgs that didn't get put over or translated i think that's a lot harder obviously because you know with games like poyo poyo they can put that on the super nintendo and they don't have to worry about translating it and they're like oh yeah it's just the japanese version it's on the it's on the us and, and european uh, versions of the app but you know that you can just play them without too much trouble whereas stuff like rpgs is like well i kind of need this in english in order to make it work right so i think that's that's a lot trickier of a proposition um but yeah i'd like to see the luffy games on that of course I, I keep banging the door on the quintet trilogy obviously i've now played soul blazer and illusion of gaia and i'm soon to play terranigma um someone at work uh, uh really loves terranigma and has been uh, talking to me about that so uh, i want to play that uh, as well at some point and um and that is those three games i think would be great for the super nintendo online service but they also are a nice little trilogy right so square enix could be like well let's let's uh, package this up and and put this out um uh, as its own little thing um actually i'm not sure if square has access to those i'm not sure who bought quintet or what happened with that company um maybe the rights are somewhere else and they're kind of hanging about but um yeah for me the super nintendo the games that hold up the best have always been the rpg stuff like earthbound and chrono trigger and stuff like that mm. so those are the ones i generally am looking for from the service when it comes to like the big nintendo stuff i think they have covered most things at this point in time have, like there yeah. are rare exceptions um i mean original pilot wings right on super nintendo would be nice i think Is that uh, i don't really, really? i don't know if that's on the system it might be i've started um, a tiny bit of n64 pilot wings and it okay. holds up nicely i think yeah um, supposedly yeah. they've done like frame rate improvements on it but apparently yeah. that's kind of breaking the game in certain ways oh, so okay. i saw per schneider on twitter talking about that and i was like oh interesting maybe nintendo will have to patch it like they did with ocarina of time and the, the water temple boss and, and that sort of stuff the um the mirror link fight uh, i know has had some issues with and people have had issues with the emulation so far but um yeah i i definitely think that you know there's there's still a whole kind of like mine of stuff there's a bunch can... of konami games which i guess are a similar issue where they want to put out collections yes that they'd rather not put them on switch online yeah um, totally like the castlevanias and yeah yeah of course things, yeah. um loads of those would be hard contra games of course contra. they've already done collections for so yeah i think that's the big issue is like because contra would be great like the co-op online aspect yes. of nintendo switch online would be so oh good God. for contra uh yeah we'd, we'd love to play those so absolutely yeah sure. yeah totally especially because the collection itself doesn't support it so yeah be nice um yeah nintendo generally with when they like hey here's new super nintendo games they tend to be stuff that no one's ever heard of like i don't know jello boy what the fuck that game was <laughs> and i was like all right i'll play this for like 10 minutes i was like yeah i'm never gonna finish this um or like every caveman game that ever existed which i still continue to try and go through but um <laughs> yeah i uh i i do think that there's probably some hidden gems out there that have still just not made it to the service i'd be interested to know from like a poll perspective like what are the most wanted games still from players i would mm. say probably it's mario rpg at the moment yeah, right yeah um it's probably the number one that people have said um but yeah i think there's there's a lot of good stuff you can still put on there and i'm still in my process of like getting through the kind of deeper more kind of like um less well-known games from the super nintendo catalog and uh i 
I think that Nintendo could definitely help that process along. But the question is, like, do they want to put resources into that versus, you know, the subscribers who pay them more money, which is people who get the N64 library and the, um, you know, the Genesis library. Yeah, they're doing a lot more promotion on those N64 games. Got Mario mm-hmm. Party 1 and 2 coming out. and Yeah, they're both coming out at the same time, right? Like, yeah, they're doing yeah, a double, double drop. November 3rd, 4th, I think. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Hopefully we can yeah. get a, a game of Mario Party in. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then Pokemon Stadium on the horizon. Oh, my God, we're going yeah. to take on that Elite Four yeah totally um so so that's that's exciting but uh i think i don't know it feels like we're getting not to the twilight years of what they're doing with the super nintendo online but it just doesn't feel like they're they're caring as much about it mainly because that's the basic bitch tier and nintendo wants you to be on the premium tier almost you know Um, whatever they do or don't do i just pray 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 to the nintendo gods that they can just have this day one on the next switch and Uh this this constant and they don't reset again oh my god They'll be like, hey guys, remember Super Mario World? Now, I know you've not heard of it, but it's a video game. You're going to be able to play it for the first time. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, knowing everything we know, that is going to happen. So get ready, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Thank, thanks for your question, Brad. Our next email is from Mike C, who says, Hi, Bally and MBZ. I have a problem. I want to play Bayonetta 3 when it comes out, but I've not played Bayonetta 1 or 2, and I want to at some point. Will the polish and new hotness of Bayonetta 3 make the earlier games feel obsolete and unplayable? Will my experience of Bayonetta 3 be worse for not having already played the previous games in the series? This raises the broader question of how sequels interact with earlier games. Are there games which have completely killed off their predecessors? Are there series you really can't get into without starting from the beginning? Nintendo seemed to be reluctant and slow to create direct sequels to games certainly in comparison to most other game devs why do you think this is keep up the good work mike and mike says p.s i've just signed up to your patreon but might go up a tier if you answer this question we 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 sell out all the time so Uh we will happily and gladly answer your question yes uh and appreciate mike did uh, follow through last time he did follow through exactly so we've, uh, we've taken the bait yeah absolutely um yeah, really interesting. I think the really interesting assertion that Nintendo doesn't create direct sequels, and I think maybe part of the reason for that is it's harder to jump into a series midway through, right? Like, you think about stuff like Mass Effect. You know, they put Mass Effect 3 on Wii U and expected people to buy it. Meanwhile, the series is built on, like, the whole idea of choice and the whole idea of carrying through save data from previous playthroughs that, like, it just was nonsensical to start a Mass Effect 3, right? Like, that's a great example of a series or a game where you should start at the beginning and you should play through from the start because otherwise you're not going to know what's going on or anything. And, you know, a lot of... um, kind of sony games fall into this problem of they are so story driven that they are almost reliant on people having played the first game in order mm. to get into the second right and i'm sure you can jump into god of war ragnarok but i think like you're not going to get as much out of the experience had you not played the first game um but, whereas uh, nintendo are like skyward sword disconnected like there's loose connections but you know you can just jump in breath of the wild you know you can it just e- they make it easy for you to, but also they have less of a focus on story so they make it easy for you to just jump in and yeah. not actually have to worry about starting from the beginning in a sense i think the loose connections that nintendo do work really well and i'll give credit to sony actually where i think god of war reboot in 2018 is maybe the perfect blend where it's a brand new game with this new setting and it's still a it's still a direct sequel to those previous games but you can totally play that game having no experience of the previous games while still getting more from the previous games and so it's an 
it almost feels to a degree like Zelda's kind of doing that every time where mm. you can get more out of Zelda if you've played the previous games, but at the same time, they are still rebooting it each time, maybe aside from like Breath of the Wild 2 or, you know, um, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, like there are, there are certain examples, like you've got spirit tracks following on Phantom Hourglass, but like yes. narratively, whatever, who cares? And yeah. same thing with Majora's Master Ocarina, like there are similar characters who pop up and you'll be like, oh, I recognize that character model from Ocarina, but like really narratively there's like very loosely connected from a fundamental story yeah. like every zelda game is self-contained in its story and i feel like breath of the sorry tears, fucking tears of the kingdom tears of the, tears is going is oh, sorry kingdom of tears as valley likes to say um <laughs> it's their own fault for naming it so late on in the first yeah it's like well yeah. we're gonna call it breath of the wild 2 forever look look we all got used to switch after nx so we're yes. just gonna have to get used to this um yeah tears of the kingdom i have no doubt that anyone who is new to the series can jump into that straight away yes. and have no problem whatsoever yeah. because like you know the story of breath of the wild it's there but again it's very light like it doesn't really matter whereas god of war is like well if you don't know the story going in here you're probably going to be kind of lost of what's yeah. happening right yeah. like it's such a crucial aspect to those games versus what nintendo does and nintendo generally don't do narratives at all really like yeah it's very unusual for them to to go big on that kind of right. thing and unless you're something like what monolith soft does with xenoblade where True. it's a good example of you know i do think people can jump into xenoblade 3 without having played the first two games but wow are you gonna get so much more out of that game if you played the first two games like massive amounts more of context and just like understanding and all that sort of stuff it 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 just works as a sequel in that way um and i think that's rare right because as you said nintendo they just don't do narrative in that that direction usually um and i think yeah that's kind of the one standout example of a studio that they do have where it is very narrative focused and it is very story driven and yes you can play xenoblade standalone if you play three but yeah from my perspective you get so much more out of it but but what about putting putting narrative to the side what about like mechanics like say yeah. say mike plays bayonetta 3 has a great time how yes. is he gonna find bayonetta 1 you know like yeah how does that change i think that's it? that's a really important question right because sometimes with series you can play something new and you can fall in love with it and you're like oh i want to explore the rest of what this has mm. and then you go back and you're almost disappointed because it just doesn't hold up in the same way yeah you really just have to manage your expectations sometimes like i went back and played all the halos and there are weird bounce between where i was playing a combination of remakes and re-releases but then the original game and i just had to put on my my hat of you know this is an old game and and yeah take what's good from those experiences but admit to yourself that there are going to be flaws flaws and that you know hopefully there's flaws you need something to stand uh, on yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're playing bayonetta in which unless case you're playing bayonetta, they don't flying. care about the floor he's flying yeah. all over the place but if you just accept that older games have their flaws it, it makes the experience so much more fun because there's just so many older games that do have issues but uh, the good the highs are so high that, and maybe narrative beats or even mechanics are so great in, in aspects that you know you just kind of have to not lump it but just kind of appreciate that you might need to lower your expectations a little bit yeah and if you can you know because what you did with halo is you did play from the beginning obviously like there are different versions that like the way things were remastered and remade and re-put out it's like slightly different between each game but um you know the same thing happened to me with yakuza right where like one and two the versions of one and two that i played were like fully remade those were originally ps2 games and they were remade in a much more modern engine all that stuff i got better fighting systems and all that sort of stuff and then i got to yakuza 3 
and Yakuza 3 is a PS3-ass PS3 game. <laughs> and they just they just basically made it HD, essentially. They didn't do any combat improvements or any of that stuff. So, like, that was one of those where, like, I'd had a much more modern experience, but then I got to a middle of the series, and it's like, oh, now I have to go backwards in time um, to, like, the mechanical... Uh, jankiness and oldness of this previous one and it's why yakuza 3 is the weakest entry in the series for me just because like from a mechanical standpoint it just doesn't hold up very well even though i still like the story like it just it just felt hard and i think sometimes you'll run into that right where look i was already sold on yakuza and like by the second game i'm like absolutely bought in and there was a bit of friction of like okay well I just need to get through this one to get to the rest of the series and I want the context and like obviously with a series like that when it spans multiple decades and like characters change and all that stuff you do want to have the context going forward so I I felt it was important for me to play Yakuza 3 but it would have been nice if that had received the same treatment you know as the other game so i wouldn't have had that kind of friction point um and yeah i think it's just good to be as you said be mindful of that stuff as you're going through but always i would say if you can start with the older jankier stuff then probably do that just because yeah. it will it will be easier for you to like enjoy the more modern stuff you're getting progression of both i know that i don't rate the bayonetta story as i described yeah, before but sure. you would get the progression of the character and the story on top of progression of mechanics and that might be a nice a nice blend yeah i guess the other aspect though is like if if you don't want to do that right like if you don't have the time to do that then just don't right like i'm playing lufia 2 because i read up about it and i saw that lufia 1 was extremely long and grindy and not very good not very interesting and lufia 2 is where the series got interesting and i used to be of the opinion i think that i'm like if i'm going to get into a series i'm going to start from the very beginning and i have to do everything in order and it has to be like that and i've kind of got to a point where like there are so many fucking video games in the world why why do i put myself through an experience that is subpar just to get yeah, to something too much um, great stuff out there to not experience yes. greatness all the time <laughs> yeah and i and i am loving lufia too and i think it's such a cool uh, rpg that is doing different stuff um and i think it's really awesome and i can i i'm happy to just play that one and just never go back to the first one you know and i think that's totally legitimate and that totally is fine like with the witcher as well the witcher one is like a really janky old game and i and there's certain aspects that have aged well but a lot has aged poorly and so i started with witcher 2 and then it was one of those interesting things. I think a lot of people were complaining about Witcher 3 at launch of like its combat and how it didn't feel that great. But the funny thing was going from Witcher 2 to Witcher 3, I was like, oh my God, Witcher 3 feels amazing compared to Witcher 2. So it almost like it almost raised my my view of Witcher 3 even above a lot of other people just because I went straight from that into the new game. I was like, wow, this game's incredible. Like I actually feel like combat's good this time, um, which is uh, another funny kind of side effect that can happen, right? So if you do want that and if you have the time to play again we're very close to bayonetta 3 like a week so if you've got a week to play two games sure go for it mike but um <laughs> but yeah i i do think that there is sometimes that benefit but equally you know i think you're totally fine to just play three because as we talked about i don't think the story matters in bayonetta at all so like it's not like you're gonna lose out on anything narratively um uh, it, it might just be that you know when you go back to the older games you'll be like oh well i missed that you know smoothness or that kind of like um kind of aspect of combat that's not in these older games but um you know generally if you're deep into a series and you enjoy it i think you can derive enjoyment in different ways you know from those older games and i think it's it's certainly valid to do that as well so i don't think we have really given an answer here to be honest because i think you can kind of approach it in either way um but but yeah i i don't I don't think your experience of Bayonetta 3 will be worse for not having played the previous games. And that one specifically, I don't think it will be worse. I think that there's certainly, like, benefit to be gained from playing the previous ones, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, And I think, you know, 
with a lot of modern games coming out there's the, companies always want ways for for everyone as many people as possible to jump into their game so they try i think often to reduce barrier to entry like i've heard with god of war ragnarok especially there's a catch-up a, a thing at the beginning which basically is a video that shows you it's like here's a recap of what happened before right i think everyone tries to get you back into things in that way yeah. these days which what is game good was i playing recently with an awesome recap at the start i'm trying to remember yeah certain games do do it quite well um the thing i always actually love about games which is just like when while you're still playing them is games that do um when you jump back into your save file it's like here's what you were just doing like if you had a little bit of break from it um ai the somnium file the new uh, nirvana initiative that does that when you jump back in which i really have appreciated um it's helpful when especially when you're keeping track of complex plots uh not so uh important when you're playing pokemon fire red and leaf green which for some reason that game did that as well i'm like not sure that i needed to know that i caught this pokemon in the grass last time but sure that's 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 helpful i guess in some ways just to remind me of what i did but um yeah um yeah any other thoughts bally on uh kind of like how sequels interact with earlier games and um don't burn yourself out on a type of game that might still be good i definitely found um fire emblem three houses a lot more sloggy and boring but partly because i just played fire emblem fates conquest and yeah i'd if you've had your fill of a certain genre and it's not maybe like your favorite genre ever just maybe be careful not to go back to back like a lot of people are playing god of war 2018 right now ahead of ragnarok and honestly that's kind of dangerous in my view because as good as that combat is i'm i would personally if i played that 20 hour 25 30 hour game now going straight into another 30 hour game that's a lot of that basically and i'd be nervous about that so like for example i want to play the original spider-man ahead of spider-man two next year and i'm going to make sure i try and play spider-man one earlier in the year just so that i'm a bit more i feeling a bit more fresh before two mm-hmm. yeah that's always a good thing to do um again it can it can go the opposite way as well where like me with yakuza where i'm like well no um uh, this series is now my identity so i'm just gonna play this for the next year and i i didn't burn out on yakuza i just played those back to back to back and i was like yeah no problem here i'm no issues detected i'm just playing all these in a row and it's great um and i don't know maybe it's caught up to me at this point because i'm taking my time through uh like a dragon but i think that's also because i just have a lot of other games on my plate at the moment and just trying to mm. i'm just trying to clear stuff out you know i had you were pointing out to me at one point i think you took a screenshot of my backloggery <laughs> and you're like you are a fucking mess i'm like yes i know i know i am i'm playing like 19 games i need to sort my life out um so so yeah that's kind of what i'm in uh i'm in kind of clean up mode at the moment which i you know i clean up three games last weekend which is i'm happy about so you know that i did see that on twitter it was like bang bang bam yes Boom, there we go. yeah exactly so you know i'm getting there uh, I'll, I'll be okay uh but yeah i just i want to clean things out i've actually i've got like three weeks off in december so i think <laughs> i'm probably gonna just like burn through yakuza and final fantasy 14 in december and just and do make a game else. of the year video yeah that too yeah that's gonna be a fun thing but um yeah um thank you very much for the question appreciate it mike um and uh yes about you want to remind people where they yes. can send the emails if they do want to send them in please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com and yeah yes that wraps up wraps up the show it does indeed uh so let's get on out of here um obviously uh, we have some people to thank who have supported us on patreon.com slash this nintendo life where you can go to get bonus episodes and other stuff uh bally 
who would we like to thank we'd like to thank our two new patrons as mentioned mike c thank you for your brand new patronage and also another new patron noah thank you so much for your support but we'd also mm-hmm. like to thank our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk allen thank you all for your ten dollar tier support it's hugely appreciated and thank you to all of our other patrons uh, we're building quite a nice little number now of them so thank mm-hmm. you to all of you out there for what you contribute to the show it's hugely appreciated absolutely uh, awesome stuff as always uh, and i want to give uh, a shout out also to atari alex who had supported us at ten dollars for an extremely yes. long time very very long time um and uh, has, has dropped down but uh, that's that's all cool absolutely fantastic and, and really appreciate that yeah if you want to drop in and, and pay for a few months and then drop out again that's totally cool it's totally absolutely. up to you how you want to yeah. treat the tears yeah and please do not go beyond your financial situation if uh, if yes. it's not something you can do um you know it's always optional and um we, we really appreciate people who are able to support the show but yeah please don't go beyond your means uh, if, if you can't um but anyway uh, obviously you can find us across the internet in various different spots and places we're on twitter.com uh, hellscape uh, and it's it's fun i like it there the temperature is nice um you can find me at lord nbz where can they find you Bally? i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 wonderful stuff you can find the podcast twitter at tnl podcast and you can go there for updates about the show and what's happening as well as our patreon episodes and like extra stuff that we're doing uh, so go check that out you can also join our discord community which is great lots of people chatting in there um, and you can also obviously uh, find us on youtube uh, the the show goes up on youtube as well alongside the podcasting app version um, and uh, we'd love to get some more reviews as well uh, you know apple podcast reviews are great spotify reviews are great wherever you listen if you have a way to review us that's always appreciated it just means that more people see the show and more people are able to kind of maybe listen and find it and be like hey i like these people i like listening about nintendo it's a good time um so yeah that would be really appreciated if you're able to review us anywhere go ahead and do so um and uh and yeah i think that pretty much is it in terms of stuff we are doing hello how are you going to beat rabbits and play bayonetta 3 Uh and all in time for god of war ragnarok how are you gonna how are you gonna balance this so um you bring up a good point um it's important um <laughs> on top of that long list of games you're already playing that I uh-huh, yep i'm i'm i think 16 hours into ai the somnium files okay, right. initiative how long is that uh, game 30 so another 15 of that you know right. easy um i've got yakuza probably another 40 hours of yakuza i've okay. i mean i still have a probably 300 hours of final fantasy 14 you know i, I manage my time fine i'm okay yeah. you, you can throw elden ring back in my face that you're perfectly entitled to do that yeah i can i can and i will i will <laughs> throw it back in your face uh, absolutely um yeah i'll figure it out you know i've i've got a couple days i can take for long weekends this month so or next month um after we've launched our second game of the year Very nice. uh, and then and then I, I will then i will have my long time over christmas um, where i can hopefully catch up on some stuff but sounds like a good you plan. know it sounds like a good plan i hope it works out uh, but yeah we'll we'll definitely be talking about bayonetta 3 next time and then we're going to get into november where i'm sure uh, a little game called pokemon is going to pop up as well which i'm interested in <laughs> i didn't even include pokemon on my list that's yeah, another game absolutely. to get yeah. to um so yeah fun stuff all around looking forward to chatting about it and uh thank you everybody for listening as always we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another podcast to talk about video games and nintendo and stuff until then thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye folks
The musical interlude used on today's show was Tomorrow Is Mine from Bayonetta 2, copyright Platinum and Nintendo 2014.